Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate hangovers. And my name is Kyle and today I hate the weather. I feel like, I mean, I'm 30, having a kid in like a month and a half. Yeah? Man, well, like guess, a month and a half? Well, yeah, I guess more like two months, but like, Jeez. I feel like hangovers are not something I should be dealing with anymore. Like, I... I should I should know better than to do the thing that makes me feel like I feel right now, <laughs> but I don't. I'd stop doing that thing, which is drinking too much. It's worth it. It is. It's a good time. Well, you got to get it in now because you're not going to be able to responsibly do that later. Oh man, that's totally true. And until we like dump her off at my in-laws so we can go partying. Right. For Kelly, it's kind of the opposite because it's not like she like. I mean, because when we do our little hangout drinking night thing, she rarely got drunk drunk because she would have like two or three glasses of wine, which gets her nice and tipsy. But obviously she hasn't been able to drink for almost nine months. And so she is very much looking forward to being able to have a glass of wine, which I understand. I'd be really bummed. I mean, I'm not like a big beer person. I'm not even a big drinker. I just do it because it's yeah. fun every once in a while. Like, yeah. I don't really care that much about alcohol, but it like it's... That want you want something that you can't have, sort of thing. Right. Yeah. Well, you want to like you want to have your options open. Yeah. I want to. I, um, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I never drink at home. It's always like when I go out with my friends. Right. That's really the only time I do. So like I have all this alcohol at the house that I never ever drink ever. So. But yeah, weather the weather sucks. Yeah, I should also say. Part of the reason that I hate hangovers is because I also hate the weather and what it has done to our schedule of doing this podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, explain that. So, originally, we uh, this is a Saturday we're recording on before the podcast goes up. We were going to record tomorrow on Sunday because uh, this is my winter play weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we are producing a black box production uh, on our stage at the high school. And um, so, we had our opening night last night on Friday. But it has it began snowing at like midnight, and the snow is very well. It's not very bad, but people in Ohio are idiots, so they think three inches of snow is gonna end the world. So they canceled all sports, all activities for today, which mm. means also our two p.m. matinee and our seven p.m. evening performance. So we have to move those to tomorrow. So we're not gonna record the podcast tomorrow. So we got to record it today when you were not planning on recording it. So that's why you were really drunk last night. Correct. <laughs> <And> therefore, <laughs> hung over right now. <laughs> Correct. This is all yeah. very accurate. I woke up. I mean, I woke up at like 930 because I just felt awful. But yeah. uh, and we stayed up late. But I woke up at 930 to a text from you or maybe it was a call or something. I don't remember. I If it was a call, I didn't answer. But I remember seeing a text saying, hey, blah, blah, blah. Shaw's and me tomorrow. We have to do the podcast today. And I was like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good. Not yeah. that I'm like not happy to do the podcast. I always am. It's just the timing. I, I would prefer to not feel the way I feel right now right. When, I, when I then go and talk for two hours. But it's yeah. all good. I feel really, really bad, though, because um, one of our girls, uh, because the, the Black Box Theater, it's a bunch of like monologues and short scenes, one-act plays, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's 13 different pieces, like 24 kids total. Um, and one of our girls, she, she got to perform it last night for opening night, but she can't make it on Sunday because she has like hmm. prior things that she had to do. Um, 
because she was planning on it being on Saturday. Obviously. Uh, so, like, she doesn't get to perform her piece the other two shows, which yeah. really sucks. Like, she put all that work into it and only got to do it the one time. And then one of our guys might only get to do it in the evening show as opposed to the 2 p.m., which, if he's not in it, that means the other guy who's a part of that scene can't do right. it either. And it's by far the funniest piece. It's the one that we end the show with, which is a bummer. Uh, it's about, it's called The Sniff. And it's about two guys who've been trapped in a room for five days waiting for a package to arrive with instructions. And one of them just keeps sniffing his fingers. Mm-hmm. And it's been driving the other dude crazy and he hasn't said anything. And the the short scene is he finally says something. And he's like, let me ask you a question. Why do you sniff your fingers? And the other guy, like, I have him playing it like very deadpan, mm-hmm. like total idiot. Um, and he's like, my fingers? What do you mean? So, you know, like, what are you smelling on your fingers? I don't know. It's a habit. Okay, but, like, what started the habit? I don't know. It's a habit. Well, yeah, for it to be a habit, you had to do it several times. And there had to be initially something you would sniff. Why do you care so much? I care because I we've been in here for five days, and I keep seeing you sniffing your fingers, and it's kind of bothering me. Mm-hmm. Why does it bother you so much? And it's just like the one guy gets more and more heated and more animated, yeah. and the other guy's just giving him Still. nothing. Uh, it's really, really funny. And then <laughs> my favorite line is, is it butt? What? On your fingers. Is it butt? <laughs> what butt? Your butt. <laughs> Are you sniffing your own butt on your fingers after you do a little scratchy scratch or what? Because <laughs> we've been eating sandwiches and you had your hands all over the meat. <laughs> and, and I just need to know if I ate your butt. <laughs> I like it. Uh, uh, I love that piece. It's so funny. So what happens if there's still snow tomorrow? Well, so like the plows would have had time to plow the roads and then salt them. And, You're not it's supposed, supposed to get to more s- snow. Right. Well, no, it's supposed to like snow for the next 24 hours. Oh. But like... If they're keeping up with it, it shouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so far it says it's supposed to snow until potentially, like, 8 a.m. tomorrow, which gives them enough time to plow the roads and, and clear the stuff off before the shows. But That's good. Yeah, just lots of lots of snow. And by lots, I mean three or four inches. <laughs> That's so, enough. That's yeah. more than enough. Like a, a light dusting. Just a nice, pretty white. That's like what is good. You don't need more than like two inches of snow. Nah, man. Give me three feet or nothing. Yeah. All or nothing. Back to Wisconsin. I know. (laughs) Wisconsin. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a lot of stuff to talk about. And Shay's hungover and wants to make it quick. I don't want to make it quick, but I don't (laughs) want to also make it too long. (laughs) Because I'm also hungry, and I'm not realizing I've sat down for two hours, and I need to eat something. So let's talk about video games. Who cares about why? That's the point of the podcast. I don't need an excuse to talk about video games. Don't make me feel bad for wanting to talk about them. We're going to talk about them. Okay. I beat Guacamelee 2. Oh, nice. It's really good. It's a very good game. How about you? <laughs> Let's move oh. this thing along. No. Oh. <laughs> so I, it was funny because I know I, I brought it up last episode when I had started playing it. And I got to a point where I felt like I was nearing the end. And I was wrong. 
because <laughs> there was like a, I was like halfway through the game, and because the reason I thought I was getting near the end is because it started layering on even more complexity to what I had talked about last episode, uh, with like there are now these you know invading blocks of darkness that kill you if you touch them, and these like the same enemies but harder versions of those same enemies and all that just felt like very end game stuff but it wasn't there was still way more that i needed to play and it was actually cool because the later game stuff integrates more of the chicken kind of thing that you're doing right um, more of the like side chicken areas and a lot of the enemies you know that i mentioned like they have a shield that is associated with a special super move a lot of the enemy shields then become chicken moves things and there's uh, okay. also, like, even more emphasis on going back and forth between them. Because up until that point, and really in the first game as well, there were, like, kind of divided sections. Like, you had a section where you were the luchador dude, and then you had sections where you were the chicken. And there was no real like, reason to, Ratchet like, and Clank when they would send you off as Clank. Totally. And, I mean, you can switch back and forth at any time, but it wasn't making you do that regularly. Right. But in this game, a lot of those... Like, there was a combat sequence where... I'm fighting five dudes, two of them have chicken super move shields, and three of them have luchador super move shields. So I'm having to switch back and forth in the actual fight, plus one of them is in a different dimension than the one I'm currently in. So I'm like, I'm oh, switching wow. back and forth between the, the chicken and the luchador, between the, t- the Dia de los Muertos dimension and the regular dimension. So, like I mentioned last time, where the platforming just becomes so much more complex with the interdimensional stuff... The combat becomes more and more complex because of the interdimensional stuff, and then layered on the chicken and luchador stuff. That's and there are a couple, there are a couple platforming sequences, and this might not have been required, but the way I ended up accomplishing them was by switching back and forth between the two, like mid jump, because the chicken you oh. get a glide move that's obviously very good for like crossing long distances that the luchador can't cross. Right. But then you learn a move with the luchador where he can wall run. So, like, you'd have to wall run, double jump, over dash, switch to chicken, and then glide to get to a wall that's on the other side. Like, that kind of... It's just, like, you know, adding on the catapulting thing, adding on the interdimensional stuff. It's Again, it's just, like, more and more and more complex, more button presses to accomplish what might, at first glance, appear to be a pretty simple platforming puzzle. All that said, loved my time with the game. It has a really good level-up system. So, um, obviously, you're getting, like, gold coins as you defeat enemies. But the more powerful you get, the more coins you get because you get special moves that give you more coins. And, like, if you fully max out your super move tier, the last one says, like, oh, you get double coins when you defeat an enemy with your super move. And then there's also, like, a level up specifically about earning coins where or, like, the combo system where it's like, hey, if you get a... 50 point combo you earn 5x coins but i wasn't getting 50 hit combos very often because that's a lot of hits in a row and you know yeah. if you get hit once you lose your combo but then later there's a, a level up that says you keep your combo until you're hit three times so that makes it really easy to get like 200 300 move combos as long okay. as it's happening in a short period of time so you know the more the higher the combo the more coins you're getting and so like Whereas in the, in the beginning, I was really having to save up my coins to get a particular power-up that I wanted to get. In the late game, they're just dumping so many coins on you that it was really... Like, I unlocked every single thing in the game pretty well before I beat it. 
And that felt really, it made me feel really powerful. Because like, hey, there's a there's a special upgrade that when you kill an enemy with the super move, it makes them explode, which does damage to other enemies, that sort of thing. And all of it, it just makes it a lot more hectic and and crazy um, during the combat sections. And especially in the late game, there are you like you'll fight like twelve enemies at a time, and it gets pretty nuts. Um, so that was a really cool way of making me feel progressively more powerful in the game. Um, yeah, it's it's gonna be on my top ten list. I had a phenomenal time with it. Super highly recommend it to anybody um, that's into those kind of like hard action platformers. Um, I'm not sure like between the the first game and this one, which one I prefer. I might lean more towards the first game. I think a lot of that's just because it was my first experience. And the second game repeats a lot of the same mechanics as the first game. I mean, it adds stuff too, but like most of the super moves are the same, that sort of thing. Um, And I also feel like the first game was really good with its humor it was very like meme centric which i know is not really a lot of people's taste but i really enjoyed that part of it and this one is a little bit more self-referential like there's a whole hidden side area where because like as you're going in the game um i I mentioned uh in the last episode like these like goat wizard guys are the ones that give you your power-ups yeah and you're because it's interdimensional and there's infinite dimensions there are infinite goat dudes and they keep popping up in random places and they're super funny there's a hidden area where all of the goat dudes and the people in that area all they do is speak in like negative reviews of the first game like people (laughs) hated the humor of like it this is so disappointing like leaning into meme culture, like all, all that kind of stuff. And it was just like, I mean, you just kind of run through, you do a little platforming thing and then you get like a heart power up at the end and it's just a hidden little area. And it, it was just like a really funny fourth wall breaking sort of thing that I enjoyed. So people should check out Guacamelee too. I feel like not many people were talking about it compared to the first game. Um, and do that's you think shame. someone who hasn't played the first game could play two? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like you, you. It references the first game a lot and the events of the first game, because like in the first one, your wife gets stolen, or maybe she's your fiance or girlfriend. I don't remember by this like skeleton dude, and because he wants to marry her, and so that's the whole progression is you take him down in the end. The beginning of this game references that in a big way and actually a really fun way if you've played the first game, but then it becomes all about the interdimensional stuff where it doesn't like it's more about the events in the first game happened infinite different ways because of the infinite different universes and you're going back and forth between them to find the way to beat this other problem that sounds way more complex than it actually is yeah but yeah i think like if you're gonna just wanted to check out the second game i i think that would be totally fine i would recommend playing the first game just because it's also really good but yeah right i mean yeah obviously it's easier to play on this one because it's on ps4 and the first one's on ps3 but yeah um, and then I am still plugging away at Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Um, it was funny. Actually, I was playing yesterday and the game froze on me twice. Like it crashed twice. Ooh. And so I'm like, I might just like, I'm, I'm still having a lot of fun with it. Obviously my complaints have been pretty well worn at this point. I'm still having a lot of fun with it, but I might take this as an opportunity of like, let me take a little vacation from Assassin's Creed while I'm trying to wrap up a bunch of this other stuff. Just cause that kind of left a sour taste um, to lose progress twice in a row was pretty annoying. Um, But I've focused more on the main story because I was doing that thing where I just like start exploring in the wilderness and take on a million different quests. And I feel like I'm not accomplishing anything. So I wanted to move the story forward. 
I'm not enjoying it as much as I did Origins. While I really like the the Cassandra character, because I'm playing as the female in this, she's not as good to me as Bayek and Iowa in Origins. And just that story was a little smaller. It was more about this, you know, revenge tale of this dad trying to find his son and, you know, uh, get revenge on the guys that killed his son, blah, blah, blah. In this one, it's a little bit more open-ended. Like, there's this vague pre-Templar cult threat that you're like trying to learn more about and then you find out that the leader of it spoiler alert is your brother and so like that kind of becomes and like i'm looking for my mom right now so if you play as the guy it would would, be the sister i I would assume yeah um so that's just not like it's not hooking me as much just the whole game frankly isn't hooking me as much as origins did yeah um and it added like with all these fucking systems in this game it added another one where, because you know, there's the big mercenary system where yeah. once you get um, bounty on you, they hunt you down. There are also ambient quests that um, you can go hunt down a specific mercenary and get extra coins and stuff for it. Well, it adds a whole cultists tab, which is this Templar cult thing where you have to hunt down and assassinate all the cultists. And that is very much more the traditional Assassin's Creed where you're kind of learning more about each one before you can like figure out who they are, where they are, and then you hunt them down and kill them. And that like, it's fun. I've done a couple of those because it's not really tied to the main story. You just kind of do it as you, as you want. And I like that because it, it feels a little more old school Assassin's Creed. But just when it's layered on to all these other things that are going on in this game, it just becomes yet another distraction from me ever finishing this game. So right. I don't know if – I mean, and there are a ton of them. There are like 40 of them. So I just – I don't know that Jeez. I'm ever going to really dive into that as much. Um, yeah, because it's like there's the mercenaries thing. There's the cultist thing. There's the main story. There's the – like battle or the war between the Spartans and the Athenians that you do all these side quests and it has the big war mode, which like you're on a battlefield with a bunch with dozens of dudes and you're trying to like, you know, there's a meter of, you know, your side and the other side that's slowly wearing down and the more guys you kill, the faster it wears down their, their meter. And it's just like, it's just a lot. There's just a lot of stuff going on that none of it's amazing. And therefore all of it feels kind of underwhelming. Right. Uh, so. That's kind of that's how I felt about Assassin's Creed for a long time. Is that none of the systems were really really good. It was just a collection of average to slightly above average execution. Um, yeah, on most I, things. I think that's fair. I feel like I mean, the two games I would reference would be Black Flag and Origins because those have been my two favorite ones in the kind of previous six. But I I would agree. I think that overall like the best you can say about those games is that they're like really solid there there's nothing that's like holy shit this this aspect of this game is so amazing it's all just like pretty good and with this one it's like slightly less good plus you know i just put 60 hours into origins less than a year ago right so it's just it's just really diminishing returns at this point um I don't know. We'll see as I get farther if the story starts to hook me a little more and I get a little deeper into all of these systems that are happening because I'm still like pretty fresh on all of them despite having played for like 18 hours. Uh, it's it's one of those games where like it might be a top 10 game for me. Um, so we'll just see kind of how the rest of this stuff shakes out. Okay. And the last thing I'll mention before I hand it over to you because I have a, a few more games too. Um, still uh, playing a lot of 
Pokemon Let's Go. I've actually been playing a ton of Pokemon Let's Go. I kind of got into a groove with it where I play it while I watch The Office. So then I'm a little less, like, invested in... Like, my the game isn't getting 100% of my focus. And therefore, the things I don't like about it aren't as big of a deal. Because right. I'm just... Like, Pokemon, the game is grinding. The entire game is grinding. Even in yeah. the original one. Like, you're grinding against trainers. You're grinding against you know, random Pokemon. And in this one, the grinding against random Pokemon is just replaced with grinding, catching all the random Pokemon, uh, which I have expressed my feelings about how that isn't fun. But, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm I'm in Celadon City, ready to take on the fourth badge. So I've made a, a good amount of progress. I'm currently rocking a team of Eevee, because I, ha- I got the Eevee version, who is super overpowered. Like, I almost never use her, because she's so good like one she's (laughs) higher level than all my other guys because it's kind of impossible to equally level everybody right um and she gets all these special moves and because she's normal type and you can't evolve her she still gets she gets like a special move of every type so first she could learn an electric a fire and a water move which i did and i got and and she had bite so she had all those three moves and a dark move and then when i got to i think it was celadon city at the Pokemon Center, the same guy that taught me all those moves was like, hey, I've got more moves for you. So <laughs> she could learn a psychic or a dark move. Okay. Obviously, that's five. That's she can't have Umbreon. all of them. Yeah. So I chose the dark move to replace Bite. So right now, my normal type Eevee, who has a super high special attack, one, because I gave her a lot of, of improve your special attack things. candies, because I have yeah. a million of them from catching Pokemon. But also, you get Eevee candies, which are specifically for Eevee, that gives her plus one in every category. So she's Whoa. just so overpowered. And she has a, like a 90 attack power dark move, 90 attack power electric, 90 attack power fire, and 90 attack power water moves. Jeez. So literally, I could beat Every Pokemon just with my Eevee. <laughs> and Eevee's a normal type, so it's not really weak to much of anything. Yeah, it's really just like fighting Pokemon, and that's kind of it. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, she's super OP, and so I really never use her because it's not that much fun. And I want to level up all my other guys. So I'm also rocking Pikachu still. I will eventually evolve, um, I think it's a female, into Raichu. Just because I, I usually go Jolteon or Zapdos, and I kind of want to do something a little different. Because the problem is, I'm also rocking Graveler, because he's the best rock ground type in the game. You're not yeah. going to not use him. He's so good. And then because this is imitating yellow version, you get a free Charmander, Squirtle, and Bulbasaur that are all really powerful versions of those Pokemon. Right. Because I made... I mean, I didn't know that you got these guys for free, so I made the mistake. I caught a Bulbasaur early on in whatever forest and fully leveled him up. He was like level 25 Ivysaur, and I had been given that Bulbasaur in like the second town or whatever, and I didn't compare them because I unlocked a new thing where you can compare Pokemon stats, which is really useful, Um, but... Up until that point, I couldn't, so I didn't know any better. And so I'd just been using my generic Ivysaur that I caught and leaving. Like, I didn't give away the fancy Bulbasaur, but I just left them in my bag, my Pokemon bag. But then once I could compare them, I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go compare. And, like, it shows what the max potential stats are. And for these three guys, as well as my Eevee, everything is totally maxed out. Like, it's all the best it could possibly be. 
And my one that I caught, it was a very, like, average at everything. I was like, well, fuck. I have a level 25 <laughs> Ivysaur, and then I have this crazy, powerful level 12 Bulbasaur, while all my other guys are, like, level 24, level 25. So I swapped him out, and I ended up having to grind out and get Bulbasaur to catch up. So he's still a couple levels behind, but... Have you had any issue so with powerful. money yet and purchasing Pokeballs? No, not at all. Okay. I have so much damn money. I, right. I mean, I'm, I'm actually low on money right now because when I got to Celadon, I went to the um, shop, like the mall, and bought a bunch of TMs. Because in this game, TMs aren't one use. Oh. You can use them for everybody, which oh, wow. is just another thing that makes the game, like, makes my guys feel really overpowered. Because I could, like, I taught my War Turtle and my Graveler Dig. I taught every guy, like all my guys that had quick attack, I replaced them all with headbutt because it's just a better normal type move. So all my guys, I was it was interesting because the enemy AI is better and it feels like Pokemon, the enemy Pokemon do more damage in general. Plus it's harder to level up guys because it's all about catching Pokemon and you get minimal XP gains at a certain point. And so, I mean, it really leads heavily into getting like the excellent or great captures and putting right. up your combos and especially capturing the special types. So like the really small or the really yes. big guys, you get way more XP, which is something I discovered recently. Um, cause I wasn't paying that much attention to capturing Pokemon cause I was watching the office. Uh, but I like randomly caught a Vulpix and I got 989 XP. And I was like, Holy crap. It's cause it was my <laughs> fifth Vulpix in a row. I got an excellent capture and it was a, it was a giant Vulpix. So it was like all of these multipliers on top of each other. Um, I lost my train of thought. What were you asking about? Um, money. Yes. So, because I bought all of those TMs, I'm now low on money, but you get a ton of it uh, yeah. just from fighting trainers. And I got a lot of nuggets and stuff to sell. Um, right. And obviously, and, once... like, there are some repeatable things you can do like every day where they'll give yeah. you the item over again. The only one that I've found is the one in Pewter City, where you watch the chick slowpoke. That's the only one I've are, seen so far. There are two other ones that and I maybe read I just about. haven't gotten to them yet, but that's right. the only one I've come across. How how far are you in the game? I have not played in forever, so I'm still okay. in um, Cerulean, about gotcha. to go across the bridge. Yeah, so I mean, obviously my. Um, Tambor on this game is much more positive than it was last week. And I think because I'm playing a lot more casually and just like I'm just enjoying the nostalgia of it for what it is. The only bummer is like because it's the yellow version version of this and I have a crazy powerful Eevee, a crazy powerful Charmander, Squirtle and Bulbasaur. That's four of my dudes that I'm not going to replace because they're so freaking good that really I only have two more slots left. Like I'm not going to use... A Dugong or a Cloyster. I'm not going to use a Magmar or a Growlithe or a Ninetales because I have guys that are way better. And so that just, I mean, I could do it anyway. It's totally within my power to use different guys. But I don't know. It's that, like, I want to use the starters because I have access to them. So that's the only, like, I kind of wish it was just like red version or blue version because then I'd have a more diverse team. Like, I really wanted to get a Pidgeot this time around because I, like, never get Pidgeot because I always get rid of Pidgeotto at some point to replace with a Pokemon that is a better type than flying. And I just can't justify using a Pidgeotto right now because I have all these other awesome dudes. So we'll see. I'm having a much better time with it at this point. I'm st- I am still find it highly disappointing in a lot of ways, but I have accepted it for what it is. What about you? What you been playing? 
Oh, not a lot. Um, I beat God of War. Yeah. You were texting me about this, and it made me very frustrated. Yeah, it just wasn't good. Um, I had, like... So I thought I was kind of close to the end, and I had to play for, like, 12 more hours to beat it. Right. And I, I did do all the side stuff. Like, I didn't mm-hmm. have to, like, rescue all the dragons. I only had one dragon left to release. Uh, I beat one of the Valkyries, um, and then I tried to fight another one, and it was so much harder than the first one, and so yeah. I said, fuck you. Um, <laughs> the Blades of Chaos thing was cool. I that, loved like, that moment. That that moment was really great. It was, like, a nice power trip to fight those ice enemies and just rock their shit. Oh, yeah. But, like, they just they don't feel as good as they used to. Like, they're they're slower. They don't have as much reach. And, like, yeah. I, I get that you... It's a different type of game now. Right. But it's like, I have played with super powerful Blades of Chaos before, and these are just, they're not staggering or doing the damage that they used to do, and so they don't feel as useful, they don't feel as powerful, and it takes away from the moment a little bit. And like I get why they do it for the balance of the game, and they still need you, they still want you to pump stuff into them to upgrade them and all this other stuff. Um, I, I don't know. I just, hmm. Like I, I fucking I have a replica of a blade of chaos <laughs> on my shelf right now. Mm-hmm. I love God of War, but I don't really love this one that much. Also, I thought and the ending. I, I thought what they did with Freya's character at the end was fucking stupid. I agree. Yeah, it. I mean, the the turn was a little harsh. Yeah. Um. And just, it, it didn't feel totally justified. Like, it all happened too fast. Right. Like, the reveal that it's his mom and all the other, like, it just, it all got and mashed for, together there. Yeah, and for, like, as long and fucking plotting as this game is, you're just gonna chunk all that stuff in, like, 15, 25 minutes? Right. Also, that last fight with him sucked. It was underwhelming. I, it did. I don't think it sucked, but it was underwhelming it, it was, compared it was to a lot of other stuff. is what it was. Yeah. It, it took I, forever. It was not the best part of the game. For sure. Because, like, it wasn't that hard. It would just took forever. Right. It right. was very obnoxious. And maybe I didn't min-max my whatever because the menus oh, yeah. suck. I don't think and that's... that's why it took forever. But No, like, I, don't, I don't think ugh. that's true. I mean, I didn't either. The, I, the armor I wore is the armor I thought looked the coolest. And I, like, I put the good gems and stuff in it, but I didn't try to min-max whatsoever. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't have a problem. Yeah. I will say, like, the latter half of the game has a lot more classic God of War big set piece moments. And, like, yes. the Zeus's face in the cloud thing was really cool. Yeah. And then, like, the flying ship thing. The flying ship was so awesome. It was really cool. The mechanics of it were super obnoxious. Yeah. But the kind actual of a, thing yeah. was cool. Like, it, there are a it, lot it got of, like, very good annoying things. At times. Yeah, there are a lot of good things to pull from that game. But, yeah. like, a lot of the things that you're doing are just, like, annoying to me or were annoying to me. Um, yeah. I, I really I loved the the sequence that first like snowy area within the mountains where you're like climbing the the fallen titan to get that gemstone thing. Oh yeah, that I thought was a really oh, the cool fallen giant. Moment. Yeah, yeah. Ge- what did I say? Titan. Yeah, titan, giant. Yeah. Um, Titans are old news, man. <laughs> right. Kratos has killed all of them. And I, I mean, I liked the actual story ending. Um, the like walk to the highest mountain peak and the, yeah, re- that was the a revelation nice that the wife was a giant and the kids Loki, like all of yeah. that I thought was really, really cool. Yeah, I liked just all building that. on the lore. I didn't like then how it ended though. It was just like, well 
you want to go save some of those Valkyries? All right. Right. And I was like, that's fucking. Ah, 2018 is the year of fucking shitty ass endings for open world games. That transition moment. It fucking is stupid. It's so goddamn stupid. But that's my that is a problem. I believe that is intrinsic to open world games. Any game that after you finish it, it dumps you back out into the world. That makes it impossible to have a completely conclusive ending because by definition, it is not conclusive. You are continuing to play. But all so you I'm all not- you have to do is like let the credits roll and then pump you out to the main menu and have a pop-up that says, hey, next time you load up the save, you're going to be able to go around and do some more stuff. But here's the thing, Kyle. Think about it from a developer-publisher perspective. If they did that, you are more inclined to stop playing the game. If it keeps you in the game, then you're more inclined to continue playing it in that moment. I'm not saying that it's good. I agree with you. It is bad. My point is, it is not intrinsic to the God of War game. It is intrinsic to all open world games that do this. You had the same complaint about Red Dead. Yeah, I know. I guess it was a, it was a different complaint because it was the epilogue, more the epilogue part than the just dumping you back into the world part. But yeah. There is probably a better way of doing it, but no game has figured that out yet, in my recollection. I've figured it out. I'm not going to hold it against God of War. Dump it out of the main menu. But you understand the answer. You you understand my point, though. Like, I'm not saying that that wouldn't be better. I'm just saying that's why they don't do that. Right, and I think that's a bad excuse. Anyways, I I beat God of War. What? No, I, I enjoy talking about it. I and we we got in a, in, a, in a disagreement about this. Yeah, I feel like some of your complaints about God of War are a little, um, not arbitrary, but like they're they're harsher harsh. because you didn't like what they did to a series that you liked. Like I feel like you, I like it on paper. I just don't like the execution. And like that I, I, I like a, a more grounded like. Dad, like Dad Kratos, is a fucking yeah. hilarious idea, and I'm so up for that. But uh-huh. at the same, like in execution, like in, I don't know, I feel kind of both ways about it. Like how he doesn't have that fire in him anymore, but then some, like sometimes it comes through. Mm-hmm. It's I, just, I wish he had it more. Like he doesn't need it all the time because I think the point of him being more subdued, like it plays into his character and like his backstory, and and it's kind of part of the whole setup and relationship with his son, you know, he has to change because he's a dad now. But like, I wish there was more of that, like classic Kratos. Cause those are my favorite moments when he goes into like, when it forces you into the Spartan rage and you're yeah. just fucking shit up. Those are some of my favorite moments. Those are right. so good. And then it's all that time in between where your son's like, I'm a God now. <laughs> like fucking ah, Atreus boys. I think it is very – it's super complicated, and I, I don't think this game nails everything in its story, like we, especially with the ending like we mentioned, but even with the relationship between Kratos and, and uh, Atreus. Yeah, one too many not touching the shoulder moments. Yeah. Maybe some of two it can too be, many. Some of it can be ham-fisted, but I think overall the arcs of those characters separately and as a relationship is some of the best stuff I've ever seen in a video game. Some of it is, like, obvious – and like a little contrived, but it's still really, really well done in my opinion. I, I have thought 
a ton about all aspects of God of War, not only when I wrote my review, but because it is probably my game of the year, and therefore I am, like, being way harsher about the game than I would otherwise, because, like, I want to really feel like it's the right choice. Yeah. And I just feel like the Atreus stuff, he's such a little shit, and he's so annoying at different times, like... How are you supposed to care about him? But I think... But that's the part, like... It's it's hard, man, because he is he's annoying, and sometimes it like it made me not want to play the game because he was annoying. Yes, but without him being annoying in those circumstances, the way that his character grows would not have had the same impact. Does that make but sense? I don't like, give a, a shit about his character. Well, hear me, hear my well, and that's fine. Like you can have that perspective, but that kind of makes your argument on this moot. Like if if that's well, no, your, they didn't do enough to make me care about him. Okay. But my point is, it's kind of like a see the forest for the trees sort of perspective. Yeah. That, like, those tiny moments, he can be so annoying. But the end of the game only, those revelations, them coming closer as a father and son team, only work because he had those moments where I freaking hated him. Like, I felt like a dad in those moments where I feel obligated. Like, he is my obligation now. Him being here, I have to protect him because he is my son, but I cannot stand this little shit. And I feel like that was the impact of it. And maybe I'm giving it too much credit. Like, maybe it's, like, an overanalyzation, that way that people analyze literature. Like, the old man in the sea, what does it really mean? Like, what's the real metaphor? And a lot of Jesus. that is bullshit. Yeah. Like, you can you can come up with symbolism literally anywhere if you, if you think hard enough about yeah. it. Yeah. So maybe I'm doing that a little bit. On no, this. I get what you're that, saying. I think that what was kind you of my, say is my, valid. It was my personal takeaway of the game that it made me appreciate those moments of me hating him. Yeah. Because of how I felt about it at the end. Yeah. That that's kind of where I'm coming from on it. Yeah. I just like for long form media like video games. Mm-hmm. I think that's a bigger ask. Um. Because it, it's very much like how you and I hate to read the fifth Harry Potter book because it's so good, <laughs> but Umbridge makes you not want to read the book. Atreus makes me not want to play the game, even though the game has a lot of redeeming qualities about it. Like, I think that's fair. It's it's that's a tough line because like in I think I, the I know it's intentional. Really like I, I know people who make video games are not idiots. Like this mm-hmm. stuff is intentional. They have months and months of debating and whole teams of people that come together and storyboard this stuff and talk about the implications what the player experience is going to be like what they're going to think all the possible permutations of that and then they make adjustments based on those conversations the games are not made by idiots but fucking hate atreus <laughs> i feel like that's a good bow on that one yeah <laughs> <laughs> We will, once I eventually, if I should say if I eventually put together my Game of the Year uh, stuff, we will talk more about God of War, but we've talked about it a lot, so I feel like that's that's a good way to end that discussion. What yeah. else What else you got? I, oh, uh, okay, the last thing I will say about God of War, and then okay. I'll move on to the other thing as I played, is my time away from the game, coming back to it, I have a greater appreciation for the game now that I have completed it than I did if I had not gone back to it. I will say that. Sure. Okay. Um, it still would not have made my top ten, I don't right. think. Um, 
I do not revile that game like I did for You're a bit. glad that you you're glad that you went and finished it. Yeah, maybe not like 12 hours glad, but <laughs> feel better about it. Um so I played uh well, my wife and I have started playing Beyond Two Souls, the other David Cage game. It's the only mm-hmm. David Cage game I have not played. That's the one with Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Um because as you know from my top 10 of last year, my wife and I like playing bad games together. We think it's fun and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is another bad game. It's actually because it was originally a PlayStation 3 game, I'm pretty sure. And it's like super impressive for a PS3 game. Like, holy crap. Because um, it came after Heavy Rain. I remember Heavy Rain being impressive, but this is like next level. Like, you can. Right. They did some stuff with it. Like, there are some weird things like, oh, the water, the liquid in a glass doesn't look good. And when they drink it, it doesn't actually go to their lips. That kind of video, <laughs> PS3 okay. video game stuff. But for the most part, it's really impressive. Like, their performance capture. Um, I think Alan Page and Willem Dafoe both do a very nice job with what they are given. Unfortunately, what they are given is a very cheesy and melodramatic script uh, 90% yeah. of the time. Um, the, like... The action sequences are really fun, and like controlling the entity, uh, Aiden, is is a good time because you just get to kind of fuck with stuff. Mm. Uh, but the actual controls are a bummer. Like how you interact with the worlds are mm-hmm. not good, because um, it's mostly like flicking the right stick in different directions and. In like combat or action sequences, it, it'll like slow it down, and like the thing will go sepia tone, and you're supposed to like move the right stick in the direction that Ellen Page is moving, but it's not always clear in which direction it really wants you to do it, so you wind up hmm. missing a bunch of crap all the time. Um, and just like sometimes you interact with an object thinking it's going to be a certain outcome, and then she does something totally different with it, and you're like, oh. That okay, it's not what I wanted, but whatever. It's just full of, full of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then there's this whole romance be- between you and this other guy that up until that point in the game, he's only been portrayed as a f- total freaking asshole. Uh, and then all of a sudden, like, she's in love with him or whatever, <laughs> and I ain't having it. So, right. like, you have an option. It's like a date. She has him over for dinner, and you have an option to like let it play out and have it be like a nice dinner, or be as Iden and like throw the wine glass against the wall, <laughs> or like upend the pizza box and like nice. mess up the lights and stuff. Uh, so of course I did that because I wanted that guy the hell away from the chick. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's it's it, it, there are very fun moments and. The wife and I are usually kind of on the same page. Like, yeah, fuck this. Like, let's mess this date up. This sucks. <laughs> right, right. Um, and it this game does some things in traditional David Cage fashion where maybe not handled that well. Mm. Um, like, you rescue a small African child who is a child soldier, and he's like, hey, you rescued me. I love you. You're great. And he follows you around and leads you to a place. And then you kill, like, your mission is to kill this dude. So you use this, uh, you take over this other dude and have him shoot all these dudes. And it turns out the dude you took over and shot all the other dudes with was the kid's dad. And now he's dead. So you healed the kid, but then you killed his dad. You should so feel deep. like shit. And it's, like, not handled that well. <laughs> it's not. 
So yeah. it's a David Cage game. Correct. And it has this like memento setup where it's it jumps around the timeline a lot. But on okay. opening the game, it was like, hey, do you want to play the game like as intended, like non-sequentially, or do you want to play it in order chronologically? Uh, so we chose non-sequentially because that's like how mm-hmm. the game would have originally been released. Yeah. Um, uh, and that has been okay. They they do some smart things in placing certain things like f- before others in the timeline and all that before you play them um, and kind of some like little reveals or hints towards things that happen. So I, I think there's value in playing it originally um, and not just chronologically. Uh, although I'm interested to know if anyone has played it chronologically their first time and kind of what they thought about it. Hmm. I don't know. It's an interesting game. Um, it was free on PlayStation Plus, I think, is where I got it. I believe so, because I'm think i pretty sure I have it, and I certainly wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> right. So this was just like, I I want to have played all of the David Cage games. Yeah, why not? And so uh, the, the David Cage anthology <laughs> of, of course. games. Um, and I don't know, the wife and I are kind of enjoying it. There's a lot of really eye-rolly moments, but there's some good action sequences, and then just like some... Really interesting stuff happening with the, it's kind of like almost a Stranger Things setup where there's like, and ent- he's an entity from like another dimension, and there's like a they can open portals and mm-hmm. more entities can come through, um, yeah, some supernatural stuff going on, which is kind of interesting. Um, so that's Beyond Two Souls, and lastly, I have been playing Last Day on Earth on the iPad. Okay. Um. It's a survival game where you have hunger and thirst and health mm-hmm. uh, and your weapons have durability and you are crafting stuff and as you level up you're unlocking blueprints and you have a home base that you can upgrade and add things to and like you find all the parts for a motorcycle then you can venture out farther on your little trips and every trip you take if you want to walk there it takes a certain amount of time until you get there or if you want to like run there it takes your energy and your energy refreshes after a certain amount of time or you can pay money to refresh it and that kind of stuff right it's got that set up it also has like oh you can watch an ad and replenish part of your energy bar stuff sure. like that um so it's got that kind of mobile free-to-play uh setup um, is it mobile only i think so there's probably it, a shitty pc port <laughs> right Steam yeah it, it would be there usually um, is. because it's kind of like mmo combat where uh, like once you get to a certain range of an enemy, they will come towards you. It's zombies, by the way. Once you come into a certain range of uh, an enemy, they will kind of pursue you until you like leave the area, essentially. Mm-hmm. And um, like you get close enough, and you can hit the you press and hold the attack button, and your person just attacks and attacks, and they attack you, and you're just hitting each other until one of you is dead. Um, there are some kind of smart. UI elements like you can you have like kind of there's like a uh, a use button which is like open a chest or chop down a tree or pick up a whatever off the ground and if you want to like chop down a tree or mine a rock if you have the stone or if you have the axe or the pickaxe in your inventory and you use the use button it'll automatically use that so that Mm -hmm. way you don't have to take up one of your two quick slots with a tool as opposed to a weapon or a healing item um so there's some smart stuff there and i think it's paced really well like i feel like every time i play i at least get like one level 
and you're going to these different types of areas like pine tree forest or like a mountainy area and as you do stuff in those areas you're leveling up in those areas and you're unlocking or it does like a roulette wheel kind of randomized thing where you get these tiny little like incremental buffs on certain things that you just do anywhere like oh you have a chance to get four logs when you chop down a tree instead of three like a a three percent chance for that to happen and Mm -hmm. you get it again and now it's a six percent chance nine percent chance or like you can get dogs as like little companions to fight with you um and there's like oh there's a chance of breeding a rare dog so that's three percent or now it's six percent and there's also like i unlocked the ability to drive a motorcycle or I sprint faster, so it takes less time to get to an area when I use my energy, stuff like that. Um, so are you are you just getting, like, one of those randomly when you level up? Yeah, in – so you have a level. Like, I'm level 30 right now, but I also have – there's, like, a little – in your little mini-map at the top right, there's a little progress bar under that for that type of area, like a pine grove forest area. I level up in that area. So how is that different from your regular level? It's like, tracked separately, and there isn't a number assigned to it. It's just a percentage you're, completion. You're doing the same stuff, like you're not doing a specific thing, right? To so level it's, it's up like like area. killing zombies, picking up stuff, yeah. opening crates, chopping down trees, mining rocks, okay. and stuff. It's that all contributes to that progress bar mm-hmm. and your normal experience bar, mm-hmm. um, but they're kind of progressing separately. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's got a lot of systems. Like, there are events that pop up all the time. Like, oh, there's a crashed, like, Jeep caravan that'll probably have some good parts, like, for when I I need to fix my motorcycle, so I should go there. I need some engine parts. So, it's like, it'll be around for the next 10 minutes, so I have to use my energy to get there, because if I walk, it'll take too long. So, I use my energy to get there. I open up a couple crates. There's some tougher enemies. I get some better loot off the tough enemies, and I get the better loot out of the crates, and then I can head back home and kind of unload my stuff. Um, yeah, it's just really smart, and huh. it's uh, it's free, or you could pay five bucks and get like the premium version. Um, and from what I can tell, the premium version just like gives you some of the coin currency that you pay real money for, and yeah. there's like an objectives list where as you accomplish them, you level up in your objectives like book, your journal thing as you complete these tasks and you get like extra items, like extra guns, which are okay. pretty rare or more like more clothing. Cause even your clothing has durability and like your armor and stuff that can break and you have to find or craft new stuff. Um, or like, just, does that still have a lot of the microtransaction stuff in it? The paid version? Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it has all the same stuff. It's just in the free version, you can only do like, it's like three, um you only unlock like three objectives at a time kind of thing in the book okay but in the paid for version you're just unlocking like pretty much all of them Got all it. the time um you can did go you go ahead and buy that yeah because i was playing it a lot yeah it was sure. only five bucks. It's five bucks yeah why not yeah that's where, like, where that's did you easy ask where did you find out about this game i just looked up survival games on the app store because like i'll try some stuff on the ipad because now that i have an ipad i could play yeah. mobile games in not a shitty way right um and that popped up as like one of the top rated survival games, and it's actually cool. really good. And like the graphics are pretty good too. Um, and like the different stuff you equip on your character changes the look of your character, and has all those features. And like you're killing like really tough enemies, and you get like a bunker pass, and then you can go to one of like the military bunkers and gain access to like their supply cache for the day, and like that mm-hmm. has a bunch of rare stuff in it. Or like you can go down in the bunker, and that 
it's like a, a randomly generated dungeon essentially that refreshes like every 24 hours once you open it or it's only open for 24 hours so you use a pass to get in there and you proceed down the levels you're getting better loot but fighting like really really hard enemies um and getting a bunch of experience and rare items from that um and then you have to like go back into the overworld dump your stuff at home and then fight enemies until you find another bunker pass you can go back there later um and then like once i fix up the motorcycle which i'm trying to do right now it will take me less time less energy to, to sprint to places okay but it'll take fuel so i have to like ah, new resource so you have to like kind of yeah. find fuel as well um okay. so i'm like stockpiling that and like i have a home base where i have like these crop fields and a dog kennel and furnaces and a bunch of you know boxes to store crap in and, and all that stuff it's a bunch of like material management which I enjoy that kind of stuff that uh, organizing things into chests I have always liked. And there's also like you can mod your weapons. Like if you find a blueprint for a mod for a specific type of weapon, you can then add it onto that weapon and it'll give it better stats. Like whether it is more durability or more damage, faster swinging, faster firing, whatever it might be. So there's a lot going on in it, uh, yeah, especially it for like, like a free game. Right. Um, it's pretty crazy. So. So how do you play that? Like, do you just sit down on your iPad and play it? Or do you yeah. play it while you're doing something else? Oh, like, I'll watch a video, like, on yeah. my computer. And I, I sit at my computer and I play it on the iPad. Or I'll sit on the couch and watch something and play it. I feel like I would get stuff done. And, I mean, I'm not really... I wouldn't be really getting anything done because we're talking about TV shows and video games here. But I would get more of the things done I want to if I did that more. Like, if I played a game and watched something at the same time. Yeah. But... So many, like, so many of the games that I play and the shows that I watch, like, I want to give it my full attention that I just, I feel like I'm not having fun with either of them if I do them both at the same time. Yeah, well, like it's mostly, thing. like, the giant bomb cast or the beast cast I'll listen That's to fair. and play something at the same it's time. More, it's two casual things at once. Right, right. Um, yeah. well, I mean, that's what I've done with Pokemon Let's Go. In the, obviously, The Office, I've seen it dozens and dozens of times. Right, like rewatching just, shows. Yeah, yeah. It's something to distract me from the parts of the game I don't enjoy. <laughs> yeah, or and vice versa, the parts of the well, show that you don't enjoy. nothing about the first four seasons of The Office that well, I don't enjoy, but fair, fair point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so All Last right. Day on Earth. I don't know, it was like surprisingly good. It sounds okay. It sounds like, I mean, there's at least a lot to it. It's not like right. a simple cash grab, manipulative, free-to-play game. Like, it seems yeah. like there's some systems going on. And it's like, it's smartly designed and like well-paced in a surprising cool. way. So you said um, you had a couple more games? Yeah, so two smaller games that I, I've started. Uh, the first one is Minute, which is like a it's a cute little game, black and white, super pixelated. And kind of the shtick is it's a Zelda-style game where there are, there's a little bit of combat, but it's mostly like exploration and puzzle solving. And there's some adventure game aspects where you like need to get the right item and give it to this person or that person or you do X with a key or whatever. The hook is that each you only live for sixty seconds, thus the title minute. Right, and so every sixty seconds you die and you restart at one of your home bases. And there are a couple different home bases where you can set as your spawn point once you discover them. Certain things will reset, like enemies will respawn. But like if you get an item or you beat a boss or something, that will stay. After the 60 seconds. Gotcha. It's a cool idea. And I was really enjoying it. 
at first, and I probably played it for like an hour and a half, and it's a pretty short game, like three or four hours. I'm not sure I'm going to go back to it, primarily because, I mean, it's kind of two things that have to do with the 60-second sort of thing. So the, the bigger one is that I got to a point where there were a lot of things going on, like a lot of quests and like they're not actual quests like you don't have a quest log but like i knew there were a lot of things i needed to do like i came across a random dude where he's like hey when you get the bucket make sure you visit the factory and i'm like okay log that away when i get a bucket gotta find the factory and then right. like there's another one where it's a dude standing in the wilderness and he's like hey if you find this thing i'll show you a secret i'm like okay well once i find blah blah like it's that kind of stuff where you're just keeping track right. of it yourself the problem is like i got to a point where I had like six of those and I didn't know what to do next. Like I wasn't finding any of the things I needed to find or going to the places I needed to go. And I felt like I had explored everything. Like I felt like I was missing something. Did you talk and to the- that old dude who like takes up all your time as you talk to yes. him? Okay. Yeah. Did you finish the conversation with him? Cause don't you yeah, feel- I got a trophy for it. Okay. All right. Yeah. It, it, that was a really funny moment. Yeah. He's just because obviously you only live for 60 seconds. So literally every movement you make matters. Like even it needs to be pixel perfect sometimes to get where you need to go in 60 seconds. But with that, he's, you know, you go and start talking to him and it's all text-based conversations and his, it just scrolls super slow <laughs> and like you have to get there right as soon as possible. And then you die right as he finishes talking. Right. It was a really, it was a very funny, cute moment. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I just kind of reached a wall where I didn't know what to do next. And that wouldn't really be a problem in a Zelda game because then I'm just going to explore and I'll eventually I'll find it. The problem is you only live for 60 seconds and then you reset back to the same spawn point again. And so, like, you don't have that time to sit and think of where do I want to go. It, everything has to be intentional right away. And, like, you could wait at the death screen before respawning and try to think it through. But you can't think it through while you're on the move. Right. And that... I mean, it's intrinsic to the design of the game. I just didn't really enjoy that part of it. The second piece, which is also kind of important for the way the game is designed, is eventually the world gets so large that you can't go from point A to Z in 60 seconds, which is why I mentioned like there are a couple different spawn points where you can set as your home, uh-huh. and that way the next time you die, you spawn at this place. So like, oh, there's a trailer in the upper right-hand corner, and your main home is in the center, and like the top left is a hidden base, and there's an island where there's a little vacation home, and you can set those anywhere. And eventually, which is right what I reached before I quit playing the game, was in, like, teleportation system between those places. Okay. And that, I think, for someone that's going to dive into the game, is very important. Because then you don't have to walk from one to the other and waste one of your 60-second lives just to reset it. You can teleport back and forth. But that's when it became a little even more overwhelming for me of like, wait, what was where? Like, I don't right. remember how much, which, which teleporter am I supposed Because everything's black and white, so there's no, like, good indication of the where you are necessarily when you're in, a, in, in, like, a house like that. So I don't know. It just, it, it just kind of, for as simple of a game as it is in many ways, that part of it started to feel really complex. And I, I wasn't getting enough out of it to, like, want to cross that hump. So I don't know. It's it, it's not like it's hard mechanically. I could I could wait six months and go back to it, and I wouldn't miss a beat. Um, so maybe I'll do that. But at this point, I'm kind of like, eh, with all the other stuff I've got going on. Like, I'm glad I gave it a shot, and I like some aspects to it. It's got really good music, but it just wasn't really – I didn't love it. 
Yeah, uh, I, I heard then, it's like only a couple hours long. Yeah, so it like, is. If yeah. you were to sit down again and play it, you'd probably beat it. Maybe. I mean, if assuming I could figure out the problem, like the solution to what I'm missing. Because <laughs> there's like a factory mission thing where you have to shut down these three conveyor belts. And I got two of them and I cannot for the life of me figure out how to get to the third one. And the problem is where I spawn, like it takes me 20 seconds just to get to the factory. So I just don't have that much time to explore. And like I said, it's every life you have to go exactly where you want to go from the beginning. And so it's hard to figure out a new place to go. Because it takes almost your whole life just to get there. Okay. So, uh, and then yesterday I started The Gardens Between, which I only heard about because Brad brought it up on the Giant Bomb podcast uh, for their Game of the Year deliberations. And it just sounded really cool. It's a puzzle game where you are manipulating time. And it's really just like forwards and backwards. So right stick to move forwards, left stick to rewind time. And then you can interact with these like glowing lights that you are trying to like, that's what you pick it up and you take it to the end. And that's really all you're doing to accomplish it. There are two characters. There's a guy and a girl that are friends. The girl carries the light and the guy can interact with some stuff. So like there are also black lights that will absorb the white light. So you need to figure out how to get around those by manipulating the time mechanics. And it does an interesting thing where much like minute, Sometimes when you're like some things, when you rewind them, won't change again. And those are all very intentional. So like you go forward in time. Sorry, I bumped my mic. You go forward in time to make a domino fall, which unlocks the light so you can find the light. Then you go pick up the light and then you can rewind and reset the dominoes from falling so that you can walk under them. But you still kept the light. Does that make sense? Yes. It's that kind of thing. Obviously, I'm really early on. I've played for maybe a half hour. Um, I've just beat like the first couple levels. So it's, I assume, it will get more and more complex. I'm really liking the mechanic. Like, it's simple. It's not like a hard game thus far. But I like the aesthetic of it. It's kind of like calming and cutesy kind of atmosphere to it, uh, which I'm enjoying. It's like a very relaxing kind of puzzle game to play. Uh, and Brad also mentioned on the podcast that was a really easy platinum trophy to get. So <laughs> I'm also trying to get the platinum trophy. So I'm using like a little trophy guide because there are a couple hidden trophies that like, oh, rewind and or like there's a little vignette where the girl throws a piece of popcorn at the boy. And so if you fast forward and rewind it five times, so she keeps throwing it and it retreats and throwing it again, it retreats and throwing it again. You get a hidden trophy for doing that, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's a cute little game. I, I I will definitely finish it, assuming I don't like hit a wall and can't figure out a puzzle and get frustrated. Um, but it's just a smaller sort of calming experience amidst my stress of game, very different games like Moonlighter and Dead Cells that I feel like I need to play that are much more mechanics heavy. Right. Uh, and then I'll mention because I have a lot of like TVs and movies stuff, so I'll mention two movies that I watched and I'll throw it back to you. So. Before I started my new job on Tuesday, and so I had a four-day weekend that I wanted to just, like, veg the hell out. And I was going to watch a lot of movies. I ended up watching two. (laughs) So I watched uh, The New Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, which is very bad. It's very bad. The first one I thought... really bad. Yeah, I mean, and and I wasn't looking forward to it. It was just one of those where, like, yeah, it's a big action movie. Who cares? I'll watch it on a lazy Saturday. Uh, I thought the first movie was fine 
Yeah. Jurassic World, I should say. Right. The first Jurassic Park is one of the greatest films ever made. Yes. But the first Jurassic World was fine. I didn't dislike it, but I'm not like, I wouldn't really want to watch it a second time. This one I thought was actually a bad movie. Uh, all of the kind of biggest, most exciting parts were in the trailers. And it's very much like The Lost World, the second movie, uh, the second Jurassic Park, I should say, in that it feels like two movies, where the first half is they're on the island with the dinosaurs, and then the second half is like the dinosaurs in real life. So right. the way that it manifests in this one, which is weird because like in the trailers, it doesn't give you this vibe. No. It feels like the whole thing is them escaping the island that's being destroyed. Right. That's really only like the first 35 minutes of the movie. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So they, they go to the island to try to rescue the dinosaurs before this volcano erupts. Twist. The guys that were helping them are actually bad guys, like they always are, and we're trying to get the dinosaurs so they could sell them on the black market and make another new super dinosaur, which you see in the trailers. It's like a mix between a Velociraptor and a T-Rex, and it's actually a pretty intimidating thing. Like Velociraptor, yeah, they call it like Indominus. Oh, oh no, that's not right. Indominus Rex was in the first one. Indoraptor is what they call this one. Okay. Uh, which I guess makes more sense now that you think about it, because the first one was the Indominus Rex, and this is Indoraptor. Makes sense now. Oh, that's right. Like, that you were like in a... indoor China. I was in outdoor China. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so the whole second, well, really, like the second two-thirds of the movie just takes place at this old dude's house where there's a secret, bi- I mean, it's not a house. It's a huge mansion castle thing. But they're, like, selling all the other dinosaurs, and, of course, the Indoraptor escapes, and it goes fucking crazy. And there's this little girl who comes out of nowhere and it becomes a huge <laughs> intrinsic part to the story that's like helping Chris Pratt and Bryce Dallas Howard's characters. She's Dino Girl. Yeah, kinda. Literally. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil oh. this movie because it's one of the bat- most batshit things I have seen in a movie in quite a long time. They make humans out of dinosaurs. No. Okay. But you're not far off. Oh good. So the whole thing, obviously, uh, John Hammond, the old British dude from Jurassic Park, yeah, worked with another guy who I don't think we ever saw until this movie. I'm not sure if he existed in the old ones or they just wrote him and totally retconned everything to make, make him exist. But they were partners in the creation of Jurassic Park. They were the two scientists together. As part of, like, what they did was they manipulated the genetics to make clones. That's how they made the dinosaurs, as they cloned the genetics. Right. Well, apparently the friend of Dr. Hammond, his daughter died. And so he cloned his daughter, and that's the little girl. Okay. And it's this big reveal at the end where you find out that cuz like the whole time there's like a hidden picture and she keeps asking who her mom is cuz her mom her parents are dead or so you think they didn't exist is why they're dead but <laughs> they, he acts like oh you're my granddaughter you my my daughter had you you're my granddaughter and so there's a picture that she keeps trying to get that shows her parents or her mom and then eventually she finds the picture and it looks literally exactly like her and at first i was like Oh, that's kind of lame. Like, they're saying they look so much alike, they literally look like the same person at the same age. That's kind of dumb. And then I realized, oh, no, wait. That is actually her because she was also cloned like the dinosaurs, which is insane. 
Uh, and so that kind of reveal happens. And it's really dumb. But the best part of it is the whole kind of ethical dilemma they face in the beginning of the movie is all the dinosaurs that are on the Jurassic World uh, island, because they shut down the park, there's a volcano that's going to explode and will destroy the island and kill all the dinosaurs. And so politically, they're like, "What's what do we do here? Do these because if it was normal are they, animals, are they really creatures? Exactly, exactly. Because we created them. Yes. So is yeah. she really a person because she was hold created? Well, hold, there's a little bit of that, yes, but we'll get to that part because that's the most hilarious. I Boy, I they. I lolled, I lolled at the end of this movie, but um, so that's the whole dilemma, which I think is like kind of interesting. Just the concept of like if it if it was like tigers, we would have a humanitarian effort to go rescue them. But because it's dinosaurs, they shouldn't exist anymore anyway. There's a whole argument. It's like, oh, the volcano is an act of God. Us bringing them back, like they were extinct because of an act of God. We should let them go extinct again. There's a whole argument about that. So they go around the government and go rescue them and bring them to this mansion. They get betrayed and they're being sold on the black market. And so they're all being kept in a cage. The big fight that happens with the Indoraptor causes this gas leak. And so the gas is leaking into all of the dinosaurs that are in cages. So they are faced with this same dilemma again. The problem is the perspective has changed because before it was Bryce Dallas Howard's character. Who's like, I'm a human, not a humanitarian. I'm a dinosauritarian that I, I believe in the sanctity of life with these dinosaurs. But then all this shit happens, and they're murdering people, and there's this Indoraptor, and, like, it becomes clear that, like, bad governments on the black market will steal all the genetics of these dinosaurs and make them and put them into wars and stuff, which sounds really cool as a movie, actually. Dude, but like, that's gonna be the next movie. We'll is- get there. We will get there. Wait, I am nowhere near done yet. We will get there. <laughs> shit. <laughs> I need to so see she- this movie. <laughs> So she's faced with the same dilemma again, which in a well-written movie could have been a powerful thing because it's the same choice that she had to make, but her perspective has changed greatly. And this well, time also, she decides... Also, this is not an act of God, though. Fair enough. This is just shitty gas leak. Fair enough. But her, for her, so she changes her mind, and she's, like, broken up about it, but she's like, I have to let them die. Like, they will, you know, they will ruin the earth if I let them stick around. And so there's, of course, a big red button to, like, open the gates and let them escape out into the world. And she doesn't press it. And she's, like, crying and Chris Pat's consoling her, being all handsome and charming. And then all of a sudden, like, you hear... Chris Pratt a clone? No. You all hear, hear like, a... And then the doors open. And they're like, what? And they look back, and the little girl had hit the button. And I, I wish that I remembered the actual line because it would be better than my bastardized version of it. But she effectively goes, I'm real and therefore so are they. They deserve to live just like me because I'm a clone. Like it's that kind of thing. And it's so fucking lame <laughs> and cheesy. And so this little girl who is not even a girl, she's a clone, releases literal dinosaurs into the wilderness. And so that's the whole like stinger at the end is Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard and clone girl 5,000 in like a truck driving through Nevada 
and there are dinosaurs in the world. And the last shot is Blue, who's the Velociraptor that, like, he took under right. his wing. That, like, he actually has a legit relationship with. There, there are some cool moments. The ending battle is the same as it was in the first one where there's the bad dinosaur chasing down these guys. Blue comes in and rescues him at the last second. It's, like, the same thing. But blue is like running through the wilderness and goes on top of this cliff and is looking all badass and then it pans behind her and it's a city and that's the end of the movie dude so the next movie is war of the jurassic world what if okay what if in the future it's metal gear solid 5 proxy wars are being fought but it's just dinosaurs Dinosaur soldiers, bro. Put a Gatling gun on the back of that T-Rex. Cloned nanomachines. Dude, velociraptors with laser beams on their heads, dude. I would just clone a lot of these little girls and train them to be assassins. Because she is cute. Like, no one would hurt her. And then she stabs you in the neck with cyanide. Okay, That's what I would do. Mm. The dinosaurs are a distraction from the real threat. This fucking little clone girl. Okay, what so, is that? What is that old game franchise? Turok? No. Um, it was like they were trying to be Resident Evil, and it was around that same time, but it had dinosaurs. Um, dinosaurs in video games. Dino Crisis. Dino Cry. Yes. What if? What if this whole thing is just a setup for Dino Crisis? <laughs> or what if? What if it's Jurassic Park? Dino Crisis, Dino Crisis is the third one. <laughs> Dr- yeah. Jurassic World. Dino. Hey, you know what? I guess we should have fucking known, right? Jurassic World. Yeah, it's like a Disney World theme park, but of course they're going to go global because the name World is in it. Well, uh, what's his face? Uh, Jeff Goldblum is in this one. It just in like the beginning and the end, he's like testifying to the you know Senate or whatever, and that's his. He does the voiceover as you're seeing all these dinosaurs out in the wild, and he has some line where it ends with "We've created Jurassic World." Roll credits, blah blah blah. Yeah. So like they said the name a, of the movie in the movie. Yeah. It's a really bad movie, like hilariously bad it. in a lot of ways. I'm not sure that it's worth seeing because a lot of it's just dumb and boring and stupid, but. Because of the way it ends. Dude, that third movie. I have to see the next one. (laughs) That third movie, man. Yeah. That sounds great. So. (laughs) Just Chris Pratt riding blue through, like, the New York City streets. Like. Hell, yeah. I don't. Dude. (laughs) It's going to be real dumb. But maybe fun dumb. We'll see. Why don't like I? They made like that park builder Jurassic Park game. Right. They need to make. They need to make make like a third person action game. With the new. Well, they movie. just need to make Turok, but Jurassic World. Yeah, but Turok was like aliens and space and stuff. This that's is true. like real life, Shay. Right. That's this true. could happen. Yeah, it totally could. It is right now. Yeah. I mean, they're cloning sheep. Dinosaurs are next, and then little girls are third. That's it's how it goes. And then grown men are fourth. Right. (laughs) So that's Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. That sounds great. Uh, And then I watched with Kelly a movie called A Simple Favor, which I'll go through quickly because it's kind of a weird one to talk about because it's it's a murder mystery style movie. So I can't really talk a ton about it without spoiling a bunch of stuff that happens. Okay. But it's based on a book which Kelly listened to. So she really wanted to watch the movie. It stars Anna Kendrick 
and Blake Lively, who are both very good in this in this movie. It has a fun personality to it. Like it it doesn't take itself super seriously for it being a murder mystery. Because um, like Blake Lively's character disappears, and then they find her dead, and so the whole thing is figuring out like how did she die? And there's you learn a lot of secrets about her, and she's this very private person, blah blah blah. So it's you're kind of trying to figure out with Anna Kendrick, who is her best friend, but they don't really have anything in common. So like was she manipulating Anna Kendrick? It's just like a fun murder mystery, fun time. Like it's not like a for real sort of movie, but it feels very iterative of another book-turned-movie called Gone Girl, because it's kind of the same concept. Um, And Gone Girl does take itself seriously. And boy, the twist in Gone Girl is one of the dumbest things I have ever seen. I think I've seen that movie. Is that the one where... Ben Affleck's in it. I think... The wife wife disappears, and, and then they think she's dead, and everybody thinks Ben Affleck murdered her. And then you find out that she actually faked her own death. Yeah, she's a complete psychopath. Yeah. 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 So if you saw that movie, this one's not dissimilar in what happens. Um, obviously, it plays out a bit differently and like the details are different, but it's not unlike that, to, to give vague spoilers. <laughs> um, the ending of this one isn't as stupid as in Gone Girl. It is a little more cheesy because the like revelation of how the thing that happened did happen is based on a trope that is super overplayed. And, like, feels even more overplayed because it's been a while since anyone's done it because that trope has been so overplayed. Yeah. Like, it, it feels like a very 80s-style murder mystery story. Um, but it was a fun movie, and I really liked the, like, jokey personality of it. Like, I liked that it, it, it the movie recognized that its story was kind of stupid, and it leaned into that a little bit with some jokey characters and stuff. So I liked that part of it, and I, I really thought the acting was pretty good. So I would recommend this one... Certainly over a movie like Gone Girl. Because Gone Girl was really dumb and didn't know it. And that means it was bad. Okay. Um, yeah. So I've watched a ton of shows as well. But I'm going to hand it back to you. And I'm going to do them quick. Because we've been talking for a long time about this stuff already. So what have you been watching? Well, okay. So just real quick. I can't get it out of my head. Jurassic World 3, the movie, <laughs> the game... What if it was like Last of Us, but instead of Joel, it was Chris Pratt, and instead of Ellie, it was Blue. But it was also cooperative, so the second player could play as Blue. Well, then everybody would only want to play as Blue. I don't know, man. I'd be pretty all right playing as Chris Pratt. (laughs) That's part of the dissonance with this, too, is like he's so sarcastic. Yeah. It's kind of hard to take him really seriously. But then there's like all this like world ending shit happening around him, and he's like, the but this, Marmy. He's he's less jokey in this one than he was in the first one, but he's still a little jokey. And so it's just kind of hard to take it as seriously as it wants to be taken at times. And just how just ridiculous the concept of it is. So yeah, we'll see what direction the third one takes. If it takes itself really seriously. Honestly, it might be better if it does that. <laughs> it tries to be, like, really hardcore about Jurassic War. Yeah. Um. All right. So, in terms of watching stuff, I really only have one thing. It's the wife and I started Travelers Season 3 on Netflix. We're only, we're only like, okay. three episodes in. But she's complaining about the procedural elements of it, how it's, like, kind of a different setup every episode. Um, but, like, at the end of the episode, something happens that contributes to a larger narrative. I like that 
because I really like procedural shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess she, I guess she's not enjoying her time with it. But I don't know. And like, is it the same as the first two seasons? Like, were the first two seasons also like that? Uh, there were episodes like that in the first two seasons, but then also kind of like mid-season, they'd have a stretch of episodes where it was like all kind of focused. And as the season goes towards the end, it becomes more and yeah, more serialized. Yeah, towards one thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so that's probably what they're going to do again. Um, right. I think she's just complaining because she's a complainer. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, well, okay, so I guess I should preface, like, I have not played or watched a ton of stuff because – like with the winter show this weekend. So this whole past week, um, I was at, I get this at the school at like seven twenty five in the morning. And I left at nine at night. So I did that like four days this week. So that's mm-hmm. why I have not been able to watch a lot. Um, but last weekend, one of my friends came over and the wife, he and I played too many bones, which is a board game. Um, that sounds like a bad way to describe a threesome. <laughs> No, that's just two bones. <laughs> Devil's threesome. Um, right. So, yeah, too many bones. I got it when uh, they had a booth, uh, like a a booth set up at uh, Dragon Con last year when I went as the Dungeons and Dragons convention. It was in mm-hmm. um, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, uh, yeah, Columbus. Because um, it was the same weekend as the Pride Parade. So the streets were, like, packed. Um, nice. But, uh I thought it seemed interesting because it's a di- it's a dice builder. So if you ever heard of like a deck builder where mm-hmm. you're like, it's like the Harry Potter board game where you're buying cards and you shuffle your deck and you have a certain, you have like a five card hand and then you're adding and subtracting cards from your deck to try and get the mm-hmm. best setup. Hopefully the best hand draws. Um, this is a dice builder. So like you have, you're like purchasing new skills and those are represented on dice. So you, ha- you roll the dice to use a skill and sometimes it works and sometimes it has other effects and stuff like that. So uh, instead of cards, it's dice uh, and it's cooperative. So those are my favorite games, cooperative tabletop games. And it just seemed interesting. I think there's some balance issues, but it could have been because we only have three people instead of four and it was our first time playing and I didn't pick the guy who, or none of us picked the guy who is like the biggest like defensive tank um who has like the most health and ability to shield himself um and like pull aggro so maybe that was a problem for us um but each character just plays very differently like one the character my wife played she has to like use dice to generate components for bombs and once she gets all the components properly she can spend them to you to make and use a bomb and those are like really devastating but like so she can't really attack all that often and then Hmm. my other friend uh, or my friend played the healer um so he wasn't able to attack a lot but then i played like this really heavy like melee class so like i was doing a lot of attacks but like not a ton of damage and i was kind of squishy too so we didn't really have anybody that could take a lot of hits and i think that kind of screwed us over in the end so we did not wind up winning we got to the last fight or whatever in the scenario and we lost okay um i would say the rule book also kind of sucks like because there are a lot of weird situations where you're not sure on like where things fall in the stack order uh, and like when things should proc and so we had to like look up a lot of like forum posts Mm. to kind of suss out some of those weird just because explanations are bad yeah and like non-specific and they don't have a lot of like a lot of rule books use like key terms in all descriptions so that you can like say oh like when you do this this triggers 
and this triggers in this specific order. Like a lot of rule books are set up that way, so it's very specific. And this is not specific enough at all. So there are a lot of situations where, like, well, it doesn't say when we die that we have to, like, that there are certain things you have to get rid of and certain things you don't have to get rid of off your dice board, stuff like that. It's just very, it's o- overly complicated for what it is. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's like not explained all that well. Um, so I was a little underwhelmed with that one, but we'll give it another shot at some point, and hopefully with four people, it's a little better. Um, but uh, the wife and I also bought, because we went to Epic Loot, which is like a board games uh, and kind of tabletop RPG gaming store um, that weekend, and the wife and I got Apocrypha, which is like a card-based tabletop RPG, like a Dungeons and Dragons, but it's like you have cards and decks and stuff. It's not like it's not a deck builder, I don't think, but it's card-based. Um, so instead of having a board or a map, you're like laying stuff out with cards and scenarios okay. out with cards and effects are stacking. Um, the interesting thing about it is that um, Patrick Rothfuss uh, wrote a couple of the scenarios in it, uh, among like a couple of other authors. Uh, well-known authors wrote scenarios in it which that kind of like just piqued my interest because i really like um the king killer chronicles series so far that he's been writing um and then we also got i knew i knew he wrote one of the series that you like (laughs) yeah um so uh name of the wind and um something else uh and then we also got charter stone which is a describe we have not played either of these yet uh Mm -hmm. charter stone which is described as a village building legacy game so a legacy game is every time you play it, the rules change and the scenario kind of it kind of like develops. Like there's an overarching story. So like there's like legacy risk, where every time you play a game of risk with that, certain things are different about each country or uh, each continent. Uh, yeah, country, right? Each country, yeah. like the things change from play session to play session. Um, That's cool. Yeah, and so like this is also like a village building thing where like you're making decisions in early runs of the game, and then through in in later um, in later sessions, things will be different based on choices that you made early on. Um, so you really need like the same crew, yes, to play that style yeah. of game, ideally. Um, yeah. So she wanted to get uh, Betrayal Legacy, which Betrayal House on the Hill is a really really fun game. It's like a supernatural game where you all start off as like teens. And you're exploring this house, and like you can explore and like reveal tiles, and the house kind of is procedural and builds itself that way off of like a draw deck, and then okay. you're like revealing rooms and things happen, and um, you have one of you has a chance to like start the haunt, and so whichever of you starts the haunt, and depending on what the haunt is, one of you will turn into the bad guy. And will then okay. play against the other players. And so, like, gotcha. that person takes their new rule book, goes into the other room, reads what they need to do while the players, like the teens or whatever, kind of figure out what they might need to do. And then it's you're both kind of trying at trying to accomplish your different tasks. And sometimes for the monster, it's just kill everyone or it's like attain a special item or keep them out of this room for a certain number of turns. And it's like all sorts of stuff can happen. There's a ton of there's like. 40 or 50 different scenarios uh, and there's even an expansion for more scenarios with it but there is a legacy version of that game as well um, which is interesting that my wife wanted to buy but she wound up getting Charterstone instead because Betrayal is like one of her favorite tabletop games mm. um, so yeah played Too Many Bones and then we played one of my friend's games that he bought I can't remember what it was 
I remember it being kind of fun though, but I can't remember the name. I'll have to ask him later. Um, and then just I my le- very last thing is I finished the first book in the Night Angel trilogy that I was reading by Brent Weeks. Um, nice. And this is the black on black book. Yeah, black on black on black. And it's yeah. a totally new status quo at the beginning of the second book because of the events of the first one. Um, I don't think I I don't really like it so far because it's kind of like hmm. it feels a little angsty. Um, but it also well, it's all black. <laughs> well, yes, true. Emo. Um, but it seems like I'm like I don't know, I'm like chapter nine of the second book, and it seems like that status quo is about to be short lived. So okay. I'm happy about that. And there's enough stuff going on in like the periphery of the story that's really interesting too, and some new characters that have cropped up. So that continues to be good. Um, so I've got a lot of TV shows. Yes, I'm I gonna, see that. There are three like, well, there's like two big ones. So I'll, I'll talk about those, and then I'll rush through the rest of it because it's a lot of like trivial stuff. So I finally, finally, finally finished season three of Daredevil. So I can actually talk about it now, like right. a month after I said I might be able to talk about it. Uh, it was awesome. Yes, it was very good. I, th- I think I probably liked season two the best of the three seasons, uh, but this was very good. I loved the arc of the Daredevil character. The cinematography continues to be excellent. There is a literal 11-minute single shot that's a big fight sequence, like prison escape for in a prison, and it is one of the coolest Things I have ever seen on television. It's really good. Awesome. Uh, they they introduce like the bullseye character who kind of gets manipulated by Kingpin as it goes. Um, his name's Dex in the show. Um, I I really liked the character. I felt like it was interesting. The, the actual like end of him turning bad, and then once he was bad, it felt a little like over the top. Yeah, it, it yeah, but, it felt like it felt very comic booky. At yeah, that point, like, which was like a, a weird turn because it felt kind of grounded and like, yes, like, like well acted, well developed up until that point. And then when the turn happens, it became like kind of a character. It became a little, a little corny. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that that first half of it where he's slowly like losing his mind, I thought was really well done. And yeah. especially like the manipulation of Kingpin over him, like how he does and says little things to like trigger Dex to do stuff and to feel a certain way. Yeah. I just thought all that was really, really well written. Um, my biggest complaint about the show continues to be the Karen and Foggy characters for two different reasons. I just feel like, I mean, and no offense to the guy, but the dude that plays Foggy, I just don't think is a very good actor. He's not good. And so a lot of his like moments just don't hit. And he has a couple more emotional moments in this that just do not land because he just doesn't perform them well. Right. The actress that plays Karen is a very good actress. I just hate the character. Yeah. She's annoying. Like, all she does is cry. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it, I just get sick of that. Um, and there's a whole episode that like elucidates a lot of her backstory that just frankly felt really unnecessary and like a time waster. And I know, I don't think, did you watch stranger things season two? Yeah. Okay. So that episode of 11 where like, it's her own little episode side story. Yeah. I liked that, but it felt kind of pointless a little bit. This felt like that, too. I mean, it's not a whole episode of just a flashback, but it's a long sequence. 
And the one, like, it just doesn't feel necessary. This is season three. Like, we know this character pretty well, and we understand that there are dark things in her past that make her not the sweet, innocent person she acts like she is a lot. But also, I also just didn't buy some of the backstory of her. Like, she was like a super druggy kind of a personality, and I just didn't buy that because that's so uh, not who the character is. Yeah. It just felt like they were justifying this even darker past to make it make sense why she's struggling so hard with the violence in the current. I don't know. It's just, that didn't feel all that well handled. Um, I also think that the ending, actual ending was a little corny. Like them, like, you know, whatever, like, uh, Nelson Murdoch and page, like cheering their beer glasses together. just felt a little cheesy to me, but with the knowledge that the show was over, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Obviously, they didn't know the show was over when they aired it, but I'm kind of okay with that. It is a little disappointing because there's a little stinger at the end about Bullseye, and he has all these like mechanical features and stuff, and like I really would want to see a robo-Bullseye fight. Like That sounds <laughs> cool, so I'm bummed we're not going to get to see that. Um, but I don't know. I, like It continued to be far and away the best Marvel Netflix show, so I'm really bummed yeah. that it's over, and they better cancel Jessica Jones. If they don't, I will be so angry that that show is allowed to survive when Daredevil is not. I mean, um, like they they have to though, right? Because like Marvel is all moving over to Disney. Yeah, I mean they haven't come out and said that. I think Disney doesn't want to because it would be a big PR hit for yeah. them to say like we're not letting Netflix continue. But that's what and it Netflix, has to be. I think so There's too. There's no reason I mean, for them to cancel Punisher and Daredevil. I totally, I totally Because those agree. are two both really successful series for them. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about it. So, Punisher Season 2 comes out this month, actually, which I'm excited for. And I'm sure that that will be done once it airs. I'm yeah. pretty sure the only reason Jessica Jones hasn't been canceled is because they were already working on Season 3. So, I'm sure that'll end up airing sometime this summer, probably. And then they'll cancel that. So I think it will all be done. It will be a bummer that it's all done just because I, the quality of most of these shows has been poor, right? Like Daredevil was awesome. The Punisher season one was pretty good. Yeah. But Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, and even the Defenders were all bad. Right. So like the odds were not in the favor of positive shows, but I liked the fact that they existed. Yeah. Um, We'll see what Net, what um, Disney, I should say, does with this. If they bring a lot of these characters back or if they let them sit for a while and do new shows, we have no idea what's going to happen with these characters. Um, but my biggest hope is that the success of these shows, not the quality, but the success of them will prove to Disney that doing a more mature, darker take on the Marvel s- stuff is viable. Because that's just not what Disney does. Uh, and in fact, they have been refused they have refused to do that kind of thing with the Marvel stuff. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, they get away with it in the comics, so why not make a show, too? Um, okay. I started House of Cards Season 6, which I am watching out of obligation. This is a very complicated show because the whole Kevin Spacey thing happened. Right. And so they fired him. But it was a big cliffhanger at the end of Season 5 between Claire and Frank, which are um, Robin Wright and Kevin Spacey's characters. And, like, the way that they resolve it is Frank dies. And so she's the president. And there's a mystery of, like, how did he die? What happened? Um, And I don't know. I just don't think it's very good. It's it's tough because the show is very feminist. 
And I think a lot of that is interesting because, like, there's a sequence where, I mean, the whole thing is they manipulate everybody to get what they want. And you think that they're losing. And, in fact, they aren't. And that's kind of what happens all the time. Yeah. Which has always been cool to see play out. But one of the big things that happens with this, and there are, it was only eight episodes instead of the full 13. I have two of them left. So we'll see. There was a big reveal that happened at the last episode I watched. And I really rolled my eyes super hard at it. So we'll see how that plays out, whether or not it's even true. But she manipulates everybody and ends up firing her whole cabinet because they were going to try to impeach her. And so she used that as an excuse to fire them and replaced every single cabinet member with a woman. So her entire like 30-person cabinet are all women. Interesting. So, like, it's tough because that is interesting, like you said. I think that, like, the whole idea of feminism being about women trying to replace men as top of the food chain isn't feminism. Right. That is just more sexism. It's just reversing it. It's like that reverse racism thing. Um, But this particular thing, because that was kind of my initial reaction, was like, for real, like this isn't equality. You would just replaced the sexism against women with sexism against men. That's not equality. But I also like the perspective because, like, that's how change happens is by forcing it like this. Right. Like, there's nothing wrong with it being a full female cabinet. Right. Like, just like there's sometimes you wrong. need to overcompensate to get anything done. Yeah. I mean, I guess I should say there maybe is something wrong because you are missing out on perspective that. A, a, a you know mixed gendered cabinet would bring right but that's been a problem in politics for the whole time politics have existed is that we have lacked the female perspective so it's like an overcompensation it's just it's a complicated issue that i think is interesting to see play out on a show like this the where i have a problem with it is the show also hates men like it isn't about feminism and female empowerment only it is about that but it is also about shitting on men needlessly so, like, there's a scene where they're, well, the woman's telling a story about this, like, you know, uh, young girl who was trying to get into politics and she was being manipulated, blah, blah, blah. It's like a tale as old as time. And so she was hitting on her older senator who was married. And she makes a comment like, and he didn't fight back against it. He loved it, of course, because he's a man, but blah, blah, blah. And like that, like, that's just a sexist statement. That's a sexist generalist generalization statement. That isn't. A that like an all female cabinet is a thing of like we're this is a societal move that is happening that will stir change. It isn't the argument that like forever it should only be women leading the country, but that's how change happens is abruptly and largely. Right. That's powerful, cool stuff. But just like saying men are pigs, that's not the same. Like that's just shitting on men. And that's what annoys me about the way that this show has been written is it's doing things that are really interesting and cool about feminism, but it's also doing the tropey quote unquote feminism thing where it's all just about shitting on men. That's what feminism is. It's about shitting on men. And that's like not how you make change. So I also think it's complicated because the show isn't necessarily saying that we should agree with what these women are doing. Right. Because most of them are bad people. Like, Claire is a bad person. She has ordered the murder of people. She's a shitty person. Just like Frank was. I'm not defending Frank. Right. But, so it becomes complicated there, too. Because you look at it like, I can say that's shitty feminism, 
but maybe that's on purpose because she's a shitty person. So yeah. who knows? It's it's hard to at the end of the day, it's still a television show and that's still the message they're putting out into the world. And I disagree with that message. Like, are there any like, women on the show that are promoting like a healthy view no. of feminism? No. Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes. They all hate men, and all men on the show are also awful people. Huh. A lot there are plenty of women who are good people. There are no men on the show who are good people. That's kind of the most people on the show are bad because it's about politics. That's the point. I'm not saying that the show is being sexist against men necessarily in that way, but no, there are no women on it who are like, maybe we don't have to be assholes to men all the time in order to get what we want. That never happens. They're all like, yeah, men are the worst, right guys? So that is a little, not my favorite. Gotcha. The larger problem is just that this show doesn't feel right without the Frank Underwood character. Like, their relationship was so intrinsic to the story, and that's what made the show so phenomenal, were the performances and the relationship between Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright. They, like, some of, literally, some of the best acting I have ever seen has been the two of them on the show. Without Frank, I still think Robin Wright is a phenomenal actress. She does a great job with a lot of the stuff on this show, but without him to balance it, it isn't working as much for me. I also because part in the show, like Frank talks to the audience, right? Like he breaks the fourth wall. That's part of the show, right? And slowly in the middle seasons, you come to realize that she can also do that. It isn't just Frank. She like they make a reference, like she like. There's a moment where like she looks at the camera and she's like, "I've known you were here the whole time. I just didn't care." And, and that was like a like a goosebump, holy shit, kind of a moment. It was really cool. But now she's the one that is regularly engaging with the audience. And her attitude of like, I don't really care about this. I have to talk to you because I have to. I don't want to. Makes me feel less engaged because Frank liked it. Right. And so as an audience member, I felt felt like you were engaged. Yeah, I felt like I was part of his story. And in this, I feel like she like doesn't give a shit about me. Which like, it's an interesting relationship to have with a character on a television show the bigger problem is i feel like robin wright isn't good at talking to the camera in the normal scenes she's amazing her like discoveries and just all the acting beats and moments are so insane but she isn't good at the talking to the camera stuff like it's like a different persona that she takes on as an actor that i just don't think works it's kind of hard to quantify i just whenever she talks to me i just don't like that so that's weird. Uh, so I'm going to finish it, obviously, because I have two episodes left. I feel like I need to see where it goes and how it ends. But I am not enjoying season six at all. Uh, a part of that's my own fault because I waited so long to watch it that like I forgot a lot of the intricate moments that happened previously. So some of the story beats I'm missing. But I generally just am not as engaged with the arc of this. And I think the writing and the acting in general isn't as good. And the music, like, it's the same composer, but he completely... And I think it was intentional, where he totally changed the style of the music. Because it's a different main character now. But I hate the music now. It's very distracting from what's happening and feels like it doesn't fit. So, not enjoying this, but it's an obligation watch. Okay. I will run through the rest of this stuff. So, Kelly and I... Um, this past week I've been like stressed with my new job stuff and just feeling kind of like mentally exhausted. So wanted some relaxation shows. So we watched the entirety of planet earth two, 
and have now started The Blue Planet Season 1, and there is a Season 2, which we will watch. And boy, howdy, Earth is crazy. Yeah. That's about all I have to say about those. Not for long, though. What? Because the dinosaurs are going to take over? (laughs) Well, yeah, dinosaurs are going to take over, but also, even without the dinosaurs, there won't be a lot of species left very, very long. Well, that's a different discussion. Uh, But David David Attenborough is a international treasure what a good man great voice yeah uh love watching those shows just so relaxing the last episode of planet earth 2 was about cities which was really cool interesting because it was about how animals have adapted to the expansion of humanity and like living in cities in india and like how a city doesn't have to take over nature a city can be developed in co co relation with nature and how like in china they built like this whole they built um like apartment buildings where each one like there's a tree planted and so the it looks like a giant tree and like animals and flowers and stuff like have started to live on the outside of this building and it's just a really cool thing thinking about like if we continue along this environmentalist path which we should because we are destroying the planet the cool in uh, uh, um in, like ingenuity that he, as human beings we can come up with of how we can help Earth take itself back a little bit, uh, and eventually we're going to get to a point where the world looks like the Last of Us, <laughs> but we will still be living there. <laughs> it won't be nature retaking it because we're gone. We're going to let nature retake it. Um, so, and we also started watching Gordon Ramsay's new show called Twenty Four Hours to Hell and Back, which is basically the same as kitchen nightmares but i think it's on a different network so it had to be a different name but instead of like hey i'm gonna come fix your restaurant in three days it's hey i'm gonna come fix your restaurant and guess what 24 hours uh it's a little more corny just because it feels so rushed like we watched the pilot of it and we were both like there is no way this restaurant's gonna stick around even with kitchen nightmares most of those restaurants still end up closing months later this like how can you really change everything about a restaurant in a day so it just feels a little manipulative yeah so instead we went and watched kitchen nightmares again we watched (laughs) a bunch of episodes of that instead uh which is continues to be a very good show and boy howdy are people stupid uh we started the rocks new show called the titan games which is a sort of like an american gladiator style show uh, not cheesy. It takes itself seriously, but it's those kind of obstacles. So it's not like a Ninja Warrior acrobatic obstacle course. It's like an individual challenge that two people compete against one another. Okay. So like there's and, and they're all like cool. Like the whole premise is making it like Olympian style, not like our Olympics, but like actual Olympus. Right. The gods Olympus that style. So there's one called like hammering ram where it's this huge battering ram well, I guess like there are, there's two stages to it. The first is you have a hammer and there's a big stone block that you have to mash it. You have to keep mashing it to get the hammer to drop. And then once it drops, you have a rope that you have to like swing the battering ram and break through a door and then like pull the thing to beat the other person. Okay. And like that's like it's like a cool 
more realistic style of challenge. Yeah. And everything feels very tangible. Like everything's made out of wood and like actual stone. Like the final challenge that the two um, winners go up against each other. It's this, it's more of an obstacle course, but like they have to push these really heavy things up a hill and then they have to like use a crank to raise this like heavy metal fire sconce. And then they have to like slide down and traverse over these walls. And then they have to drag like a big um, wrecking ball, like 30 feet. And then a hammer is attached to the wrecking ball, which they then use to like smash through a stone pillar to get this like relic that they carry to the end. Like it's all very like breaking strong man. shit. Yeah, breaking shit kind of stuff. And that is, like, really cool. That's way more different. fun to watch than a bunch of, like, red and blue pads people bounce off of. Well, yes, but it's a very different show than American Gladiator. Like, right. American Gladiator was about being stupid. There was a thing where they shot tennis balls at each other from a big tennis ball cannon. Like, it was a dumb show, and it knew it. Yeah. This obviously takes itself far more seriously. The problem I have with the show... Two problems. One is it does a little bit of the Ninja Warrior thing where, like, you get all the sob story of all the people. And, like, I just don't give a shit. This is about strength. I don't care that this dude had cancer. I just wanted to see him break through a giant wall with a rock. Like, that's the, that's what I'm <laughs> but watching But he has for. inner strength, too, Shay. <laughs> right, exactly. He's overcome all this adversity so he can overcome this 30-foot wall made out of bricks. <laughs> like, it's just so stupid. The larger problem is... I have decided that I think The Rock is annoying as shit. Like, I have never... That's an exaggeration. He is one of the most egotistical people I have ever seen on a show. So it's his show, he's the executive producer, and he hosts it. And everything comes back to, like... How he overcame this, which inspired me to create this obstacle course. And, like, they, he goes to the audience and he's like, hey, which of these challengers are you here to see? And it's a little girl. And she's like, actually, I was here to see you, The Rock. And he's like, oh, how adorable, guys. Give her a round of applause. She came here to see me. And I'm just like, are you for real? Like, he looks, he comes across as a huge megalomaniac, which, like, I don't. I'm not surprised. It's just crazy to see someone be so transparent right. with how much of the shit they think they are. And it's so annoying. So annoying. But the actual show is fun. Like, the actual challenges are fun. Because, like, I've and heard, I've heard that Dwayne Johnson on. is actually, like, a really nice guy. So I wonder how that, much... But that's, I wonder how much of that is, like, part of where he started. Like, that wrestling persona that he puts on, like, playing it up. I wonder no, how much it of it is, is that. it is not playing it up. I think that him – I'm not saying he's a bad person. I believe that he is a good person that cares about other people and wants to do good with his success. Okay. But I think he wants to do good with his success because that makes him feel self-satisfied. I don't think he does it – This is I'm making huge assumptions, but this is based on how I see him. Like not as an actor, but like being himself, how he comes across – he isn't doing good for the sake of doing good. He's doing good so that everybody will say how he does good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just, it really rubs me the wrong way, the way he talks about himself. And it's all about, like, it just feels very self-aggrandizing. That, that's, that's the bottom line. But it's still a fun show. All right. Okay. We also watched the pilot episode of the British version of Total Wipeout. Which is an obstacle course show, but it is very it not for real. So it basically takes 
mostly out of shape, stupid British people and throws them through the ringer of bouncy balls and mud and spinny, dizzy nightmares where they have to go across an obstacle course after being thrown in a circle a bunch. And boy, it's really stupid. We only watched one episode because I don't think we would want to keep watching it. But the British host, like he makes fun of everybody the whole time and he's very funny. Uh, so that's just a, uh, I, I don't know that we'll continue to watch it because I think it's the same obstacles every time and then I'll kind of wear out its welcome. But it was a funny show to watch for one episode. Okay. We finally finished the second season of Queer Eye. What a show. There's a whole episode about a uh, trans man who was a woman and transitioned to being a man. He had uh, t- that tops procedure where I, like, I think it's like his breasts were removed. Just a really powerful story. Uh, that's a good show. And then still watching Scrubs. And I'm at the point now where like JD has a kid and there's all the stuff about him being a dad. Right. And that just has a really different perspective on me now, obviously, as a soon-to-be dad. Sure. So it's just cool to wa- continue to watch that show and see him kind of mature and just with my new uh, perspective on things. So I know it was a quick hit of a lot of stuff, but we're two hours in and that was a lot. <laughs> uh, news. I didn't pull a ton of news stories, uh, one, because I knew this was already going to be a long show, but uh, some of the big hitters here, the biggest one, which just happened a couple of days ago, Bungie has announced that they are leaving Activision as the publisher for Destiny. So they control their own Destiny with Destiny. hey Um, It was a pretty, like, there, I guess there have been rumors around kind of a strained relationship between Activision and Bungie. But this was like a really quick out of the blue announcement and like it's like effective immediately. So it's just a pretty crazy turnaround on this. Uh, it kind of has played out similarly to how they left Microsoft with Halo. Uh, just with them wanting to control their own destiny and um, rumors about like when they made the announcement to the staff, like people were popping champagne and were super happy because they hate Activision, that whole thing. Uh my assumption is a lot of this is because Bungie has not been able to work on Destiny the way that they wanted to because Activision wants to sell more copies. Right. Whereas Bungie would rather double down on the hardcore fan base. That makes sense. And they sense. just have – the game has always felt like it's been pulled in both directions and it has been bad at both because of that. Right. So I would assume Bungie will take a little bit uh, more of a um, – slower approach towards developing content and like not putting out a big DLC pack every three months. Um, and we'll really double down on those hardcore players. Well, which th- this probably means I'm like more events, the game again. right? Like, like limited time events. Cause that's what's, that's what your hardcore fan base is on, gonna a, on a smaller scale. Yeah. 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 And, and like I said, like part of the reason they couldn't have as many live events is because they had to churn out big DLCs every three to four months. Right. And that takes up a lot of time. And then those all ended up, the story ended up being bad in all of them because how can you write a good story for a video game in three months yeah. and create it and all that stuff? So I would, I would assume that you're right. It will be a lot of more frequent, smaller things. Uh, and they'll take their time with the bigger content updates. And just as a funny aside, Activision stock plummeted after this <laughs> announcement happened like he, in a huge way and obviously stock prices are all about emotions it's not about facts and data so i'm sure it'll climb back up but it was just it's funny to see the the ticker it's like all really high really high really high and then it's just like boom all the way to the bottom that day that the announcement happened yeah uh so here's just a little one marvel had they announced that this 
previous week was Fantastic Four week. And they had like a little live stream where they talked about, you know, some content updates of the, on their mobile games. And at the end, teased and said, hey, we have something f- fantastic coming to Marvel's Spider-Man real soon. So the internet is awash with rumors of what this might be. Is it going to be a new DLC where they introduce the Fantastic Four in the Marvel game? I say highly doubt it because they just put out those big three DLC packs. I think it's going to be like a costume. A Fantastic Four costume or a set of costumes in the game, which is going to be really disappointing for a lot of people, I'm sure, if that's the case. But uh, right. we'll see. They they said they'll be giving more details on it soon. Yeah, I mean, they've done a bunch of DLC for that game, like like big chunks. So Yeah, I so they had the three, the three that, arc. Yeah, exactly. And, and, I mean, the game sold phenomenally well. The DLC has all been pretty successful. I wouldn't be surprised if they made more story DLC, but this soon I find hard to believe. And also introducing new characters like the Fantastic Four seems like a big undertaking for a game DLC. Like, that seems like something they would do in a sequel if they were going to do it. But we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, Okay. There are some former Hearthstone developers that were at Activision Blizzard that left to form their own studio called Second Dinner. They just came out with a announcement video saying, hey, we got funding for our studio. And in that announcement video, they also mentioned that their next game is going to be in collaboration with Marvel, which could be cool. No idea what the game is, no details. It could be any style of game, but given that it's coming from Hearthstone developers, it could be like a Marvel CCG, collectible card game style thing, which like not really my style of game, but if something was going to get me into that style of game, it would be a property that I already know and like, like Marvel. So it could be cool. We'll we'll see what happens. Because there's already already a Marvel deck builder game called Marvel, uh, or like, like Marvel Legends or something, I think. Uh, and it's a mobile game, I think, right? Oh, maybe. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a mobile game like okay. that. I just remember like when I was at Epic Loot looking at stuff, my friend pointed out, I think it was Marvel Legends. It was a deck-building tabletop game. Oh, okay. An actual right. deck-building so, game. It could Not be a like a, a digital version of that, maybe? Yep, that's possible. We'll see. Or, I mean, it could be something totally different. It right. might even be a CCG. Who knows? Just kind of coming from the pedigree, that would make sense. And then finally, they are remaking the original Pokemon film. Yeah. That released back in 98. They're doing like a reimagining, they call it. That's a CG version. Uh, the original movie, which I forgot that this was the title, which, boy, what a stupid title, was called Pokemon, the first movie, Mewtwo Strikes Back. Like, what the kind of a title is that? That's <laughs> so dumb. Yeah, and then there was Pokemon, the movie 2000, because it right. came out in the year 2000. <laughs> yep. Real dumb. So this one is called Mewtwo Strikes Back Evolution. Uh, there is a brief trailer, like announcement trailer. I'll link it in the show notes on com if you want to check that out. Uh, there it is releasing in Japan on July 12th. There's no like localization date or release date yet for the Americas, but you have to assume it's going to come here at some point. And this is, it's just like a weird timing thing too, because the original movie came out in 98. And so to release it in 2019, like they right. they it's missed not even the, the 20, 20 year, year anniversary, right? So I don't know. Maybe, maybe they just couldn't get it out in time for the 20 year. Yeah, Who or knows, maybe because you have to assume this comes in between the release of 
Let's Go and whatever the new hardcore game is. So it's kind of releasing in the middle of those two. Because it said the new yeah. hardcore game was supposed to come out 2019. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm not holding we'll my breath. see if that happens. Given with how all those Nintendo announcements have gone that year, like no more news on Bayonetta 3. Right. Yo- uh, Yoshi's Crafted World got delayed like three times. The Kirby game like kind of came out and was different than what they originally announced. So not a ton of faith that that Pokemon game is going to hit in 2019. Yeah, uh, but we'll see. A um, couple small things that just off the top of my head. It's not in our doc, but um, the there's a an HD collection of Hitman. Uh, it's Hitman Blood Money and Hitman Absolution, um, mm. and the, I think you can get that digitally. And they kind of they're like remasters of those two games. Blood Money, like Hitman Blood Money, like the best, the best Hitman game by far. Mm. Um, because Absolution kind of stepped away from it. Absolution was a little bit more of an action game, which I think was to its detriment and that's why the new yeah. hitman hitman one and two uh have found success again is because it's kind of a return to classic kind of blood money um uh contract uh levels of assassination um and uh, blood money i feel like blood money was the perfect mix of like goofy stuff that you could do and also like the you know the serious subject matter and it has one of the best final missions in any game ever made um, where you come out of the coffin with your silver ballers and murder all of the people that showed up to your funeral. Oh, ah, mm. oh, so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, so I know that's available digitally. And then, um, oh, there was something else. I mean, there's a lot of smaller stuff that I just that were more like, like they're putting. Um, Final Fantasy X and Ten Two remaster on, on Switch. Switch. You're right, like that, like. That you know, that's just like informational, right? Like, cool. If you want to play it, go buy it. Oh, like, there's nothing really to that's talk what, about. That's what uh, the demo, the the first shot or one shot demo for Resident right, Evil for Two Resident Evil is 2. available now, um, right? Digitally, so it's like you get 30 minutes to play it, um, and it's like a shortened scenario, kind of set in the same area as the main game, and you can, if you beat it, you get to see like this teaser trailer. I think it has like hunk in it. Uh, I have not watched it okay. yet because I'm gonna. I want to. The demo just downloaded before we recorded this, so I'm probably gonna go play that today. Um, well, teaser. Then we'll talk about it on the next episode. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, okay, well, let's do a hate of the week. Hate of the week. So this one's kind of a simple little thing. I have just always disliked the stigma that surrounds quote-unquote new year's resolutions like it used to be this thing about hey it's a new year let's take on some new goals try to like change myself for the better do something i've never done before and now it's just become like whenever you say oh i have a new year's resolution the assumption is oh so you're gonna give up on it by mid-february like they just don't mean anything anymore and that i it's just annoying to me the way that it's gone because i still feel like there's power in that of like I'm taking on a fresh perspective in this new year to do something or try something different or change myself for the better. And I feel like there's a lot of positivity around that, but it's all been lost because everybody like, I'm going to lose 10 pounds. And then they fucking don't like, I'm going to read a book a month. And then they read two books and then that's it. Like people just give up because we're such a instant culture and we want things easily and free and quickly that we're not willing to work for things anymore. Right. And so that's why New Year's resolutions just don't work. However, 
not using the term New Year's resolution because that's kind of what I hate about it. Um, I do have some goals that are podcast related. I have goals in my personal life too, like having a child and being a good father. <laughs> you know, little things like that. Yeah. But uh, maybe buying a house, like that kind of stuff. But I guess that'll probably be 2020. But podcast-related goals. So with video games, knowing that I'm going to be a dad and I'm going to be more busy with my job as I kind of move forward in my career, I need to focus on being smarter about the games that I play and when I play them. Because my tendency is like, I kind of like not lazy my way through the first part of the year, but like I'm not, if a game comes out that looks interesting, I'm like, ah, maybe I'll pick it up later, even though I know I'm gonna. So then I just wait until November and then I have 60 games to play in the last two months of the year. So I just need to be smarter about playing stuff as it comes out that I know I'm gonna play so that I don't backlog everything until the end of the year. But the bigger focus is I want to focus on this podcast. I want to continue to grow the audience. Um, I have had a goal for a while of getting the episodes uploaded on YouTube. Not doing a video podcast or anything, but just the audio with some still images just to have an additional means for people to enjoy the content and to find the content. Um, I just need to kind of update a lot of stuff on my website. I've gotten a lot deeper into just SEO best practices and trying to get my content out there. So I need to go back to a lot of my old posts and kind of refresh some of that stuff. Uh, and then just try to grow my social following when it comes to the to the podcast and the website. My Facebook page, I, I'm going to experiment with some sponsored Facebook ads this year and try to get some more followers on there and try to grow the audience. So that's just something I want to do in the first half of the year, especially with the uh, YouTube stuff. I don't want to set like a firm deadline on it because I feel like that just kind of like sets myself up for failure. But I would love to, by episode 50, start uploading our episodes on YouTube. So that's kind of like the soft thing. Yeah, maybe that that, episode 50 is the first episode that appears on YouTube's. Yeah. And I already have a YouTube page that I created a while ago just to to hold it just in case. Okay. For Shay, it's everything. So yeah, that's just kind of what I want to do in 2019. And I asked you to come up with some video game or podcast-related goals, and you had um, a really simple answer. Um, yeah, so you had that all that stuff down on, on the document, um, and under mine, um, I put no. <laughs> oh, you're just the worst. I know. Just the worst. That was more for the sake of the joke, though. I have a couple small <laughs> things. Um, so Okay. I was able to grab like an early dinner with uh, our father and our grandfather yesterday before they came to see the show, um, and I spoke with them a little bit about this. I have been considering, ser- actually seriously considering, um, earning my uh, English teaching degree. Okay. Um, so going back to college and becoming an English teacher um, yeah. who would then be able to also teach elective theater courses uh, right. in secondary education, so high school level. So I'm considering doing that, and that is something that I could potentially begin doing this summer, maybe. Because mm-hmm. I could go to, like, Sinclair Community College. They only offer associate's degrees. I could get a two-year associate's degree in English from them. And then transfer that to a more expensive four-year university um, where I could earn an actual uh, secondary education language arts degree. 
would any of your existing classes and stuff be able to translate to that? Yeah, so it wouldn't have I have a lot of gen years. eds that I would have yeah. knocked out of the way. Uh, and like right. all of those theater classes that I had taken as part of my theater studies degree, um, those credits would, would carry over and, you know, it would contribute to, you know, it would be on my transcript. And I'd be able to point to those and say, hey, I'm qualified to teach theater. Um, also, hey, I've been the director at a high school for <laughs> right. several years. Right. So think thinking about that, now that I have to pay student loans again, I've been on $0 monthly payments because of income-driven repayment, and now I have to start okay. paying them. It's only like 65 bucks a month, but it's it's only going to go up from here. Um, right. So I'm like, well, if I go back to college, <laughs> I don't have to pay those. <laughs> <laughs> Until you leave college, and then you'll have right, to pay them but, again. Right, but then the idea is I'm making like double what I'm making yeah, now. Yeah, making so, more, for sure. Because um, right now, between my three jobs, I would make less than the starting salary of just teaching. Um, sure. And then ideally, you know, ideally it would be at the school I'm currently employed at, and I would mm-hmm. continue to be the theater director and site manager and work myself until I'm dead nine months out of the year. Um, and then party for three months. That's right. Collapse and roll up into a cocoon and emerge. Teacher's life. A, yeah. a beautiful cynical butterfly come <laughs> fall and do it all over exactly. again. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, obviously, do do what makes you happy. If you decide not to do that, that's totally fine. But that sounds like a a, a, good, a good idea. Yeah. And if I want to do it, it's got to be now because my credits are going to start disappearing relatively soon. It's like okay. you have like six years, I think, and then your Got credits it. go away. So it's only been three years, Sweet, man. but yeah, yippee ki No better time than the present, as they say. Yep, because we'll be dead tomorrow. Woo! Dinosaurs! Right. Because of the dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay. They can just clone me and I'll come back. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that sounds like a good don't hate. But uh, I know you have uh, other stuff, too. So we'll wrap it up with something we don't hate. And I'll say that I don't hate playoff football. It's the playoffs right now, man. High stakes. Even teams I don't care about. It's just fun to watch the games. The Colts made the playoffs, which is awesome. Um, They play the Chiefs today. So, I mean, by the time this is live, we'll know whether or not they won. And then uh, the Patriots also made the playoffs, unfortunately. So I have two big things. I obviously want the Colts to win. And I obviously want the Patriots to lose horribly. And maybe for Tom Brady to get lit on fire. Like, that would just be – that would be okay, too. Uh, so, we'll see how that plays out by, like, football. Wow. What about you? Um, I don't hate that both Resident Evil 2 and Kingdom Hearts 3 come out this month. When does Resident Evil 2 come out? Uh, Something. 25th? Oh, I think I actually have it written down still. Um, yes. Yes, the 25th. Yeah, and then Kingdom Hearts is the 29th. 29th. Yep. Yeah, I will definitely be playing that. That's part of the reason why I'm trying to like wrap everything up this month is because I know once Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, I'm going to want to focus on that. So I am definitely looking forward to it as well. Finally, we'll say thank you, everybody, for listening. And Kyle, thank you, as always, for joining. Yeah. If you enjoyed this podcast, maybe check out SheaHatesEverything.com. You can check out the show notes of the episode there. You can check out some written content. We mentioned God of War. I've got a God of War review. That's wrong, because my point of view is the only right one. Shut up. No one cares. (laughs) But if you do want Kyle's perspective, he wrote a guest post of his 10 favorite games of 2018, which we talked about last episode that you can read 
A lot of good content. Check it out. Shay87.com. Tell your friends. This is partially a part of me trying to expand my audience and focus on this more. Like, rate, and subscribe. Mm. I don't even know if you can do that on the on a podcast. Mm. But you can rate it. You can like write a review. Write us a review on iTunes if you know how, because it isn't easy anymore. But but do it. Slap that like button down below. <laughs> and we'll see you all next time. Subscribe for more content. Hi there, Ladies everybody. And gents. It's Shay and Kyle, the Shay Hates Everything Podcast. Uh, I, there's no way I could have that fake personality as my career. That just sounds like the worst. That's going to do it. Just us, our normal, sarcastic, don't care about anything selves. Yeah, we're so sarcastic. Yeah, you're, yep. I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm hungry and I'm tired and I'm hungover still. So I'm, we're going to wrap this up. Don't you just care so much about all my problems? There you go. There, I tied it back to the sarcasm. <laughs> All right. Bye, everybody. Peace out.